0: Welcome everybody to the MinMAX Show, where we dive into the latest and greatest in gaming news, reviews, and discussions. I'm Ben Hansen, and I'm joined by my three trusty cohorts. We have Leo Vader. Masterful Sarah intro. Sarah Podzorski. And special guest, Jill Grote. Today, ben. we've got a packed episode for you as we delve into the Nintendo Direct, the latest installment in the Hitman franchise, the highly anticipated game, A Space for the Unbound, and we'll also be answering some of your favorite community questions. So sit back, grab your controllers, and let's get gaming. <laughs> what is going on with you, man? I'm excited. This is a hell of a show. We have Jill Growth, the master of the Indian former here. We have the big yep. Nintendo Direct. When we're recording this, we are hot off the presses. Um, there is still a glow in our hearts and our eyes because we just watched this thing. We just streamed a whole reaction on Min Max's YouTube channel. If you want to see a frame by frame breakdown of, I I actually saw Sarah start to elevate, like up to the heavens, like she was glowing. Ooh. It was fantastic. So, we're going to unpack all those reasons why. But, Jill, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited.
0: Yeah, from the Indian Former, your hot new website, which is blowing the hell up. It's so, it's exploding. Everyone run. <laughs> <laughs> it's not stable. I failed it insecurely. Like uh, no, congratulations. We're going to unpack a little more community questions and all that fun stuff. But, um, we were planning to have you to talk about a bunch of wonderful indie games and yeah. then Nintendo's. And then- yeah, And then
1: Nintendo decided to just stomp all over that idea.
0: Yeah, they said get the hell out of the way because we have a lot of uh, big news to share. And thank God you also care about Nintendo games, so you can help us unpack all this fun stuff.
1: Or even some indie Nintendo games.
0: Oh, nice double dip. Um, okay, the big Nintendo Direct. Um, every February, Nintendo graces us with its presence and jumps in there with just the... The holiest of holies. They throw out everything they've got in February, typically. This Direct, you know, you can watch the reaction. I was a little scared. I was a little underwhelmed. And then about halfway through, it started just bam, 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 bam. And then by the end of it, it seemed like all of us were wow. But Jill, how was your experience of sitting back and watching this thing?
1: It's kind of the same. Uh, it started off real strong for me. I'm super excited for Pikmin 4. Yeah. Um And you throw a dog in there, and there's nothing you can do to stop me being excited. But then it started being, like, a a very large chunk of games where all my notes were like, why is this in a direct? (laughs) (laughs) Like, there are going to be people who love it, and I'm glad for them. But, like, uh, Maraca Heroes, uh, whatever. Samba
0: de Amigo Party Central?
1: Yes. Um, Not high on my list of excited for this year.
0: uh, You should be. I mean, everybody loves Samba de Amigo, the bizarre monkey Dreamcast game that... Then Gearbox ported to the Nintendo Wii. Sarah, do you have any familiarity with the absurdity of Somebody Amigo?
2: No, no.
0: Did that trailer do anything for you? Like cute monkeys mm-hmm. and you can test your love connection to other people by shaking no. joy con slash maracas as a monkey?
2: costumes on them. Mm-hmm. It was like the rhythm game aspect was kind of cool, but like, I don't know if just like shaking my hands back and forth is like really doing it for me. Well, I don't know if like maracaying around is really quite what I'm looking for. Um <laughs>
0: okay. I would be interested to see the HD rumble if they have a way to make you feel like you're shaking, you know, sand around. I want to feel the fur of those monkeys in my palms uh, with this thing. Um okay, we should we should unpack there's so much to get to there's just too much to get to uh pikmin 4 since you mentioned it jill we should probably talk about this thing uh you can't mention a game and not have us unpack it um this is how they kick off the whole thing we got the ship in space we got the whole crash landing scenario and we all love pikmin here we're a pro pikmin podcast especially pikmin bloom leo devoted what felt like years of his life to pikmin bloom i was wondering (laughs) if that's gonna get any kind of crossover Ooh, i'm curious um what was your take sarah on the pikmin 4 trailer
2: it sure looks like Pikmin game. Okay. Is so that th- said with love? Looks like it looks like a Pikmin game. No, I mean, I like the Pikmin series. I can't play it. It stresses me out on a personal level, being responsible for so many small lives and then right. just like sacrificing them.
0: Okay. But you see their ghosts and all the ghosts do go to heaven. If they were being like dragged down the hill sh- after they died. Are die, we sure? Like, and
2: we, do we have confirmation <laughs> of that?
0: I haven't talked into any of them after they died, but I guess it's assumed. Um, but yeah, then they're like, hey, we have an ice Pikmin. And if that's not good enough for you with Pikmin Four, we also are just bringing a dog into Pikmin, <laughs> and it like
2: they were like you know what people like dogs yeah
0: yeah very yeah. simple like weirdo alien dogs that it looks like an alien version of Yoshi's dog Poochie who we, of course yeah, we all it know does. and love but it's like,
1: it's just fantastic
0: yeah um like did,
1: it's so transparent of just like people like dogs, let's put a dog in. But then I'm like a hundred percent oh my god, a dog, I love this. So yep. it totally works.
0: Yeah. It worked for cats and Mario. Mario Land. That's true. Yeah. Everybody loves it. Um yeah, and it looks like you can have the dog do stuff for you and you're like riding around on it like over water and whatnot. Um, but then they had to freak everybody out in the end of the Pikmin Four trailer. It just showed like nightmare mode where like all the creatures just had glowing red eyes. It's like the blood moon rose within the world of Pikmin, so I guess Pikmin is scary now, but there's a dog to help you get through it. Is it. It was of always tagline. scary.
2: Let me stop you right there. Yeah. It was always scary when you would get the timer and the sun would start going down. If that you didn't true. make it back to the ship, all your Pikmin would die. That mm-hmm. is what I thought that it would look like as a child. Like I thought everything was going to get red eyes and immediately start massacring me.
0: It felt like that. Yeah. Uh, it's coming out uh, July 21st, 2023. Leo chances you buy and enjoy Pikmin for this year low. Mm. I haven't really played a Pikmin game since I was a kid, and I don't feel like I would start with this one. Yeah? I feel like I would try to get a cheaper copy of an old one. Yeah, I mean, you could get, like, the port of Pikmin 3 and stuff, but Pikmin 3, God bless it, but I always felt like the controls were just... To be fair, I never played the Switch port, so maybe I should stop talking. But, like, I tried to play it multiple times on the Wii U, and they had, like, so many different control schemes, and everyone just wasn't ideal. It's like you can set up the Wii U gamepad for the map in front of you, then you have to have the Wii Wiimote nunchuck. It's like there was no convenient way to play it, and it felt like too much of an ordeal, so I didn't give it the amount of love that it deserved. But I, I'm excited for Pikmin 4. It feels like July is a good time for that thing to come out. Um, Leo, what do you want to talk about most from everything in Nintendo Direct? You could jump anywhere. Uh, I want to hear more about Fantasy Life. Ooh, yeah. That
2: was a a surprise. That was a surprise addition.
0: Very odd. Yeah. So, technically, Fantasy Life I, the girl who steals time, is the name of this thing. Sarah, regale us. Tell us a tale of what Fantasy Life was back in the day.
2: Fantasy Life for the DS was kind of like a, a small JRP, you know, traditional JRPG, but you could play different roles. So you could play both like a magician and a chef, and you could you would progress both of those roles kind of at the same time, and you would level them separately. Right. But then they would kind of like come together where like you could do a little bit of crafting, but then you would have to get materials from monsters, so you would have to go out and get materials from monsters, and there was kind of like a little narrative story to it. Um, I remember- It was- People really liked it. People who played it really liked it, including me.
0: Yeah, I remember it was a little- Grindy. It's like, oh, this is this is cute. I like choosing the different roles in here. And then it's like, okay, do 3,000 of this thing in that role. And it's like, uh, okay, I kind of exhausted at a certain point. Yeah,
2: I'd be like, craft 10 thread. Yeah. And you're like, here I go.
0: So was it, like, I remember Roy on the 8-4 Play podcast talking about how much he loved it. Was that, like, was that the same time you were there? Do you associate it with, like, being in Japan playing this with that crew?
2: Yeah, because I think that's where I got it. We had, like, an extra copy Okay, that I think I took. So I don't think I would have tried it unless I got that free copy, but it definitely, it feels like I'm playing like an MMO, but without other people. Like if you took out all other aspects of an MMO right. and you just made it a single player experience, maybe it's a little more like solid and, you know, a little more linear and the world's a little bit smaller, but it was fun.
0: Yeah. And it does look uh, like this one has room for multiple players, Leah. So if that's moving a needle for you. Absolutely. My partner and I are always looking for more games like this. Yeah, what what game are you always playing on Steam? It's like Pogo Farm or something? Pomo
2: Farm. (laughs) But there's, (laughs) that's not.
0: That's not a farm game? It'd be a lot of waiting if I played that with Marie. It's basically a Pomodoro timer, meaning 25 minutes working, and then for your five minute break in between those working sessions, you get to access your farm and pick your plants and do new plants. It's cute. I really like it.
2: Currency for like doing, like, it's like a task timer. What? So you set Pomo Farm, and then they're like, for 20 minutes, you have to work, and then for 20 minutes, you work, and then it's good, just a little alarm, and then they're like, now you can harvest your plants and buy seeds. And then you set the timer again and you work again.
0: Which is a way of working I've really vibed on the last year, year and a half. It's really changed my ability to to motivate myself at home. And this is just like a different way of timing it. That's fun you got a little progression going that is such a weird idea so you just have a game running all the time just to keep you working right <laughs> that's bizarre uh anyways, fantasy life i yeah girls Time. they said uh 2023 but that was um that was one of the biggest surprises of this overall thing for the nintendo direct is like level five was just swinging for like they've been kind of quiet for a while seems like in my mind, like since *Nino Kuni two. I'm trying to think of the big releases since then. And then in this direct, they had *Fantasy Life I*. They had *Professor Layton* and *The New World of Steam*. So a new *Professor Layton* game, which is super exciting. And then they also had the reveal of a hot new property, *Deca Police*. Everybody, Jill, can you describe what *Deca Police* was like?
1: Oh, do I have my notes? Because I feel like I was a little sassy on this one. Yep, you might have uh, been sassy. I said. Anime AF Persona cartoon detective mixed together.
0: Right, right, and then a big yeah. thumbs kind of up slash kind of down. Um, yeah, Deca Police. It's weird. So it's anime police turn based combat, but the police are like fourteen year olds. I can't quite <laughs> yeah. tell. And it's
2: like they're in the internet. <laughs> yeah, because they be like go online. That. Yeah, now right. somebody messed with their data,
3: yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a good hook for a trailer. Like, hey, you can be little kitty copies in this turn-based RPG from level five. And then it just seems like all hell breaks loose by the end. There's like weird monsters. And then somebody's like, I'm a cat now! They're, they're trying everything they've got to get you interested in Deca Police, which is weird because like Astral Chain from Platinum came out, was that 2019, I think, on the Nintendo Switch, where it's also like, hey, cops in That's this true, you could also nightlife be cops. city. Yeah, and it seemed like... I like that game, but it seemed like it didn't tear up any sales charts, so it's interesting to see level five now, like, well, what if we made a cop game on the Switch? This is going to be the one that's going to break through in a way. So curious to see how DECA police uh, sits with folks out there. Uh, They also showed off, um, speaking of Platinum, uh, the Bayonetta Origins, that prequel thing that's coming out March 17th, all that fun stuff.
1: I really like the art style for that. that, Every time I see that, I'm like, I'm not 100% sure I'm going to play this. But like, I really enjoy the way it looks.
0: Yeah, it looks wonderful, Sarah. Um, what uh, what made you sing like an angel during this thing? Where
2: do I start? Yeah,
0: please. Where do I start with well, this? Start with your tweet, your hot prescient tweet.
2: Oh, you mean the fact that I am a a witch?
3: I am right.
0: a, a psychic. Right. Um,
2: this morning I tweeted a photo of a bunch of games that I wanted to appear at the direct. Yeah. And it was Spawn, Kaitos, Kirby Air Ride, Wind Waker... Uh, girls mode or style savvy and then fantasy life and then um nintendogs and you know what we got two out of three technically three
3: out
0: of nine
2: which i think is pretty solid it's yeah impressive pretty good it's pretty good you know 50 percent. i'd say
0: so what is this fashion thing
2: so fashion i did some research please uh, fashion dreamer And it looks a lot like the Style Savvy series, which was Sin Sophia's fashion game that came out on, like, several of the DSs in its life cycle. Okay. And this looks incredibly similar to Style Savvy, even though it doesn't have the name. And I did check in the developer, is Sin Sophia? So we can all rest easy, knowing that this isn't some bizarre ripoff. Yeah, we can all go to bed tonight. I was sweating. (laughs) I was sweating trying to find this information for the podcast. Thank you. But... And it's finally coming to the Switch. And I think we've all been waiting for a dress-up fashion. Well, I personally have been waiting right. for a style-savvy game to come to the Switch. So what, what you- is
0: the gameplay of that? Yeah.
2: In So in the DS games, you would, like, run a shop. You would own a shop. But in this one, I read, like, a little... There hasn't been much information, I read it, and it was like you're an influencer, and you can go up to other influencers and like take their clothes.
0: Yes, and
2: then make them w- like change their clothes. So I don't know <laughs> if I'm as big of a fan of this premise as like the own a little shop because you used to just own a little shop. People, would I'd come rather in and be own like, a little shop. I'll I have right a picnic. Now. What should I wear? I like pink, and you'd be like this. Give me your get out. Give me your money. Um. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this, like, influencer premise.
0: Well, they're probably just going to have, like, a shop on the side or something, right? Like, it seems weird that they would get rid of like that. I mean mean, many shop, maybe? I mean, how many gameplay mechanics mm. could they pack into this thing to begin with? Like, the idea of stripping out the idea of building up a shop seems like a <laughs> terrible decision.
2: Right? It, but it looked kind yeah. of empty. Like, there were just people standing in, like, a weird ether it looked
0: like you were all in purgatory together killing (laughs) yeah like a
2: mobius staircases everywhere
0: (laughs) uh fashion dreamers the name of this thing exclusive to the switch gonna be launching in 2023 uh maybe this will get us really into fashion leo do you think there's a world where like we could start caring about fashion i'm not i'm maybe going out on an assumption branch of this big old tree of life to assume that you don't care about fashion but are we in the same camp there I'm I'm honestly on board for it. I've never considered myself super into fashion, no, but like a little job simulator is way up my alley. Right, right, all right, good enough for me. Um, okay, Sarah. And then the big one was betting Kaitos, betting down the hatches. Mm-hmm.
2: I know. I was that was one and two. I was just expecting the Remnant Wings one, like the more popular one. Right. Um, but I was shocked that the, I mean, yeah, Eternal Wings is the more popular one. I was shocked that it was one and two.
0: It's ridiculous. Okay, so this is this is Monolith Productions, right? Like, one of their earlier games from mid, mid-2000s, early 2000s on the GameCube. Um, and so it's the same team that made Xenoblade, which blows my mind, because like if they're also doing this HD remaster, the fact that they were cranking out Xenoblade 3 pretty damn quickly, and then they're also working on DLC for that game and doing this, or maybe they got another team to, to handle it, but... Um, I remember seeing this game back in the day, and a friend said it was awesome, and I would watch him play a little bit, but this was like my first my first distinct memory of seeing cards in a game and being like, I, I, I don't think I can do this. Uh, I, I'm confused, and it looks like smart person stuff, and there's too many numbers, but you're saying the card system shouldn't be scary?
2: No, I don't think the card system... I mean, it was, it was difficult, I will say, when I was playing it as a kid, okay. trying to get like a strategy, because it is, it is a card game, so like you just get, you get what you get, and sometimes it's a bad hand, sometimes it's several bad hands, and then you're just, you know, screwed, but I don't know.
0: Were you just hungry for but like, this was, for like big JRPGs on the, on the GameCube back in the day? Like, I'm trying to figure out like, what is, what is the magic of Bait and Kaitos, other than a confusing for name? Me? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was just one of my first JRPGs. And I really like this. It was my first like JRPG story. So like all the twists and like betrayals were actually still interesting to me.
0: Right, right. This is this is a bizarre time because we have yeah, the Bait and Kaitos 1 and 2 HD coming out summer 2023, and then Tales of Symphonia. That remaster is mm-hmm. coming out mm-hmm. the 17th. Like if they you... must
2: have discovered that I have money now. <laughs> like literally, <laughs> I finally got my own income and they were like, get it.
0: Please, all the nostalgia she can handle. Um, yeah, and that GameCube train, and also one of the uh, one of the biggest reveals of this whole frickin' thing, is uh, they revealed that the Metroid Prime remaster is real, Jill! This is actually a thing that's happening!
1: They're doing it! And They're... it's uh, today, right? It drops today? Yes! I mean,
0: good God, yeah. I mean, things are coming so fast and loose here, I forgot about that. But yeah, um, it is dropping today. The physical version is dropping on the 22nd, they said, but digital is launching now which is really odd that they'd separate it like that. But Leo, did you, are you just a Metroid Prime appreciator or where's your stance on this thing? Did you play it back in the day? I played it as a kid at a friend's house and it really mm. blew my mind. Like the the mood of it, yeah, the immersive factor that I think, you know, was part of the franchise already, but never really struck me uh, the way it struck me then. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it was like, I would consider it formative, but have not gone back to it. So this is a, a perfect product for me. Yeah, and I love that even in the remaster trailer, they're emphasizing the mood still, but that's, I mean, that's just kind of part of the Metroid brand, I guess, at this point. But just hearing that music again, just the title screen, all of that music, oh, my God. And then the fact that they have new control options. So you can actually just use both analog sticks now and look around, which sounds miraculous. I know it seems bizarre, but, like, that's going to be such a cool way to play it. And that game already looked amazing. Um, and I think held up pretty well, but just having like an HD version of that thing. I mean, also Jeff Grubb over at Giant Bomb has been saying that this thing has existed for a long time and it's nice to prove that he's not out of his mind, that actually this is a thing that Nintendo has in fact been sitting on. We, I think we all assumed that they were sitting on it to wait for like the buildup and the ramp to Metroid Prime 4 and yeah. to start pushing for that. And so to not have a tease of Metroid Prime 4 in this entire Direct, Jill, what do you make of it? Are we just trying I to was, connect these dots to us?
1: waiting for it actually i was sort of like okay this is where they're gonna i didn't think they were gonna do anything big but i did think they were gonna say say something like and you can still expect this coming soon or we're still working diligently on blah 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 right so weird for them just to not mention it at all
0: it's a little scary i think they want to save some things for kind of the end phase of the Switch's life, I guess. But
1: they were pretty clear how this was supposed to be games that are coming in the first part of twenty twenty three, so maybe that's true. why we weren't hearing anything, but it was still a little weird for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so it it's always that thing of like when they have the presenter, I forget his name, forgive me. But when he just comes on there just kind of like after the trailer just repeats some of the info that was already in the trailer. You know, it's like we see a dog for three minutes in Pikmin 4, then he pops up and he's like, in Pikmin 4, there's a dog. So like, yeah, oh, we got that. Like, this is an instance where I feel like he could have popped up after the Metroid Prime Remaster trailers to be like, development is challenging, but it's going well down at Retro. Please look forward to more news on Metroid Prime 4 in the future. But still amazing we're getting this remastered thing. Um, curious to see if they'd ever do 2 and 3. But also, it's interesting that like, this is coming out so close to Dead Space. You know, where it's like, okay, we're just doing the first Dead Space and we'll wait and see if anyone wants remakes of the other ones. And it's kind of a similar situation now for Metroid Prime of like, if this thing sells like hotcakes, maybe they do a two and a three, but I don't know if Metroid Prime 2 Echoes is going to get the enthusiasm that they demand. Uh, But still, super exciting. Um. let's see Oh, other smaller things still exciting Advance Wars Reboot Camp we've been waiting for that oh, for a long yeah, time yeah
1: that was great to get the uh, date for that
0: yeah so that thing's coming April 21st everybody um, I think it's supposed to come out yeah April of last year I forget exactly when that uh, release date was supposed to be but hold on folks but Jill what, what are you excited to talk about what else haven't we hit in this oh, whole thing
1: hitting off the major indies and so like the yeah. highlights for me are going to be we got a Sea of Stars date right yes amazing plus a demo and multiple demos for different things uh, throughout and obviously they don't know that I'm already busy with Steam Next Fest so I'm d- I, I have more demos it's so many demos it's too so many, many demos. demos
2: yeah
0: and the, the thing that has me a little scared with Theia Stars which you know remember it's kind of that Game Boy Advance looking RPG from the developers of The Messenger for CSRs mm-hmm. was supposed to come out December of last year Is that right Joel something like yeah okay um yeah Mitsuda's doing uh, part of the soundtrack uh the Chrono Trigger Chrono Cross composer um, but they said, hey, free demo out now for this thing. But then they didn't say if the progress would carry over because it's coming out August 29th. So maybe that's too much of a gap and they don't maybe. want that progress to carry over. Um, but what was it? Also, Octopath Traveler 2 also had a demo Octopath drop. Octopath
1: Traveler has another has yep. a demo today. That was the other big one.
0: Yeah. Me. Yeah.
1: Uh, and then uh, the other big thing is the Dead Cells Return to Castlevania DLC. Yeah. Now that has a date and that's March 6th.
0: I think it's going to be huge. Um,
1: that's gonna be super fun. So, like, we had a really good indie showing here, except I think perhaps some people may be sad that we didn't get the game that maybe I shouldn't say because the internet will explode.
0: You can say it. You can let it explode.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm sad that we didn't see any Hollow Knight. You
0: yeah.
3: Know?
1: I Yeah. Like to see Silk Song, but uh, you know, maybe it's Xbox has a maybe has a thing on being able to show things because they. The game did show up originally in some Xbox event. I can't remember exactly what it was. Mm. um, Or was it?
0: Or was it? It showed up. I think it was at the Nintendo Direct a while ago, the Nintendo Indies thing. And then it was in that Xbox presentation where they said everything's launching within a year. Right. And that was in like June of last year. I just remember being
1: surprised that it was like, oh, Xbox has it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Right. So you know, it's like it's weird because I've played this game like way back when when it was at E three in like twenty seventeen or really, I played Silk Song. Weird. And- I didn't realize it was like on the show floor. Yeah, it was on the show floor. I played it. I was. I beat the boss.
2: It was very exciting. Um, <laughs> weird. I have to assume this is some alternate timeline, and like that didn't actually happen. And yeah,
0: yeah, Sarah. <laughs> because it. Um, it's like I should have told you that Jill's a chronic liar. I. <laughs> Oh, I should have given you a heads up. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm Batman.
0: She, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so it's it was playable a long time ago. It, it's it's ready to pop, is what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I'm surprised that it's been this long if they had something ready to show on the E3 floor. Uh, I Yeah, I'm, I want to see more of this game. I, part of me is like, it has to come out this year. Yeah. But another part of me is like, it's never going to come out. So,
0: <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, it's nice that there's enough other little things in this direct to kind of distract people. So, hopefully, the internet's not melting down with a lack of news about Silk Song. But, um, oh, another little just cool, I guess it's fan service. I guess it's a weird cult hit revival. But it's awesome to see that uh, Ghost Trick, Phantom Detective, that DS game that they eventually brought to iOS, it's the Capcom adventure game, I guess is the best way to put it. But it has a Hardcore fan base out there, uh, and it's going to be coming to Switch in the summer, so it'll be a good opportunity to jump in, because I started it on iOS, but this will be a nice opportunity, I think, to actually play through Ghost Trick and finally understand what everybody loves about this thing. Um, Leo, what, um, what wowed you? What else should we hit? Before Tears of the Kingdom? Hey, man, if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. I want to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So they closed out the show with Tears of the Kingdom. Walk us through that trailer, Leo every damn second of it um it seems to be dark like what we've seen before uh the guy's got red eyes it's kind of a scary spooky world and i feel like the most there's there were some new gadgets that's hard to catch the details of yeah. but the biggest thing we notice is what seems to be like customizable vehicles hopefully yeah. not just like of, they look basic enough that it seems like you're putting pieces together to make them. Even but, though we just saw like a land mount and a flying drone. Yeah, that seems to be the huge thing. If if those were like artistically designed, it's a very bold style because I think people will be disappointed now if they aren't able to construct their own vehicles. But you would think for the trailer, they would have that shot of like the UI or maybe they just don't want to show any UI at this point. But you think they would have that shot of like Link building this thing just to reveal it or are they just trying to have half the reveal now of saying there's vehicles in the game then the other half maybe it'll still surprise some people later when we say by the way you can also make a weird flying vehicle because like that shot that got me is when he's on that flying platform later on it looks like it's kind of like it's compelling how janky it is that it's kind of like tilting over a little bit in that shot like that's that's exciting to see that i can have some wobbly ass vehicles going across this world then the physics is just barely holding it together yeah the physics goofing is like part a big reason why breath of the wild has had such longevity and you keep seeing clips from it that do things you've never dreamed of this many years after it came out right right um and the obvious comparison of banjo kazooie nuts and bolts this is this is the redemption story for every feature in that game it was ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. But-
1: I was really happy with the obvious comparison of like uh, Majora's Mask. That is my favorite Zelda game. Ooh. And just having the like uh, meta narrative of it being like weird because Zelda games don't usually have sequels. This is a direct sequel in the same way Majora's Mask was. Um, and then having the beginning of this just all being like, the moon is destroying the world. It's like, oh, that's so cool. That's yeah. a connection there. It's probably not going to mean anything to the actual game. But I just love it as a person very interested in Majora's Mask and all of that lore. So oh. having everybody show up. Like, do we know what the blood moon is? What? I don't know if I'm like giving away my ignorance on Breath of the Wild lore, but...
0: Like Are what gonna, it is literally in the lore. Like
1: what's happening? Like, oh boy, has I don't anyone ever actually asked? Like, why does the moon come up and things reanimate?
0: There has to be some throwaway line of somebody explaining. They that said it was of-
2: a mysterious phenomenon. No, Calamity Ganon's power reaches its peak during the Blood Moon,
3: Okay. Interesting. allowing just, his I- evil
2: magic to cover the moon in a crimson glow and turn it into a Blood Moon. But it did look like the evil was directly related to the Blood Moon, which is directly related to dehydrated Ganon. Right. Beef jerky
1: Ganon. <laughs> I'm um, really interested to see if they're going to dive into that a little more and show us like what's going on with those mechanics, and maybe that's a big part of narrative. Who knows?
0: Yeah, it's cool to like double down on the Blood Moon of all things, and then also yeah. it seems like double down on Ganon in a big way. I would like to make the prediction publicly right now that you yeah. go to the Blood Moon, and uh, it has low uh, gravity.
2: land on it's the Blood kids Moon? Kids
1: running around it.
0: Now... Yeah. I mean, Mario Odyssey just did that not too long ago. You think still it's always Mario be a Odyssey doesn't
2: have claim on Space Ben?
0: Well, we'll talked about I guess this. That's true. I can't get enough of it. Um, yeah, the Ganon thing, like actually having Ganon speak in this tra- trailer. I mean, presumably that's Ganon, and the internet is lit on fire. I don't know if it's been confirmed any- anywhere, but everyone seems to be convinced that that's uh, Matt Mercer, the prolific oh. voice actor. Yeah. Um, I think
1: Dungeon Master Extraordinaire.
0: There we go. Oh, that's why he has such a fan base, of course. Um, yeah, I just connected. him. was like, oh, I think he was like McCree in Overwatch. I think that's the first time that like I heard that name. But what it's—he's on one of those D and D shows. Oh, Ben, you're sure. so hip with
1: the kids. I am so offended by I'm what you. I am also offended.
0: Critical no. Role.
1: Yeah, yeah. There Critical Role is a okay. show that, and he is—he and the Critical Role team are behind Box Machina, whose season two just started, and it's fantastic.
0: Really? I'll be damned. Um, yeah, it's fun. I was looking into it, and apparently there was a fan film called "Let There Be Brawl" with a bunch of Nintendo characters years ago. And in that, Matt Mercer played Ganon, and so it's a weird full circle. If that actually is him in that new trailer, that now if Matt
2: Mercer's playing Ganon, that canon means that they have to make Ganon hot. Right, yeah. yeah. My dreams of a hot Ganon redemption arc would be one step closer.
0: So he just like gets a little eyedropper of like lotion. Yeah, I and think then we get we his... take
2: beef jerky. We take him, yeah. dehydrate him, we yeah. rehydrate him. Yeah, and we work together as a team because it's like the Triforce is always like t- like three pieces, right? And it always just feels like a two v one situation. And I get that he's <laughs> evil, but sometimes I feel a little bad. Right? That like he doesn't get a buddy.
0: <laughs> okay, and so. There is that line later in the trailer where Zelda says, please lend him your power. And so that's, you think, implying that they're all going to be buddies and they're just sharing powers back and forth know, and there's no harm done. they also mess Link's
2: arm up. That's the it, thing. Looks it seems like Link's like a arm very, just becomes evil. Yeah, it
0: seems like a very bad power.
2: Point, and I don't know if like that's the power that he's been lended, like a necrotic arm.
0: Right. But I'm still confused for why. Like, I have to go frame by frame because like, in that shot, which was the first trailer where Link's like grabbing Zelda as she's falling down... Like, which she, is just
2: proof that we're not going to be able to play Zelda. They're going to yeah. out her within yeah. the first 20 minutes of the game. They're going to throw into a pit.
0: Yep, mm. yep. And so as Link's flying through the sky, he'll just hear her voice echoing from the ground. I'm still down here, Link, please. Do you remember me? I'd be so much fun to play as. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jill, did we miss anything else in this trailer for Tears of the Kingdom? It, it looked great. It looks silly. It looks very physics-based, which is the part that, yeah, I'm with Leah. I'm most excited about. Oh, you're, you're muted I there, Jill. I think that's
3: all I
1: have. It's okay. May, May 12th.
0: May 12th. I mean, that's kind of the... It's comforting just to have a reconfirmation that it's not getting delayed. Presumably, we have mm-hmm. collector's editions out there now. And then the big talker was, um, according to a bunch of sites that put up pre-orders and whatnot, uh, looks like this is going to be Nintendo's first $70 game, everybody. um, Am I um not cool for seeing that and just being like, yeah, that seems about right. Like, Is the internet melting down about this or... Does anybody have a hot take or how's everybody sitting with the idea of Nintendo shifting to $70 games now? The interesting thing a friend of mine brought up is that Nintendo games do not get marked down the way other games do. Right. So that's, that's interesting. Kind of a, it makes it almost a more grim proposition because you're going to be paying $70 for it. No matter what. I mean I mean yeah. I mean Breath of the Wild is still 60, right? It has Probably. to be. I know they had that weird like discount, buy two, get 30 cents off or whatever promo a while ago with Nintendo, but um, that is true. Yeah, I mean, most seventy dollars games like For Spoken, God bless it. I'd imagine in four months you can get it for twenty four ninety nine. Realistically, yeah. Um, and so that is true that like this is locked in at seventy dollars for all time. But I don't know for the size of this game, I'm fine with it. I'd, I'd be curious to see if like I'm
2: fine with like Nintendo can get away with it. I don't know if so many other developers could get away with it. Mm-hmm. The seventy dollars ask, but it's like. I don't know. Nintendo's just like the one company who I think could just consistently get away with the price of their games.
0: Yeah. I mean, on the Switch, when other like third parties try to go to 70 because like, yeah, most but of what the else publisher- are What
2: else are you going to play Nintendo games on? Right? You have a Switch. You have to buy games for it.
0: Right. You're right. trapped
2: in their... E- you're literally trapped in their ecosystem, and you will pay $70 for Zelda.
0: Yep, and you'll pay $70 for Decapolis. Game Boy Advance games. Jesus, um, <laughs> I'm so
2: mad about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Let's, let's talk about this whole thing. Yeah, so they, another big reveal. Probably the second biggest reveal of the whole thing, um, if That's you're nostalgic. Debatable. It's debatable. I think, uh, be curious to hear people's takes. But the big thing is, yeah, Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games are coming, not coming, I think they're on the Switch right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but Game Boy Advance is expansion pack only All these expansion pass, expansion pack. So, if you have the expansion pack, like the N64 tier for Nintendo Switch Online, you're gifted with the grace of Game Boy Advance games. Whereas just the basic one is the Game Boy games, um, which it's funny. They're like going out of their way to like explaining how Tetris works in this Nintendo Direct. I can get through all the basics. Uh, Leo, did this move any needles in your heart of hearts? Oh. No. Not, uh, not even. I think some of the Game Boy Advance games did look kind of interesting for sure, but it's never how I'd want to play it. I still have a Vita that I would rather mod yeah. for these things than pay a continuous subscription. Em- emulating is ethical. That's right. Um, what Did you see Game & Watch Gallery 3 though for the Game Boy? Um, I'll have to wait for the Rewind slowed down trailer that I'll watch instead of the Breath of the Wild one. Okay, yeah, you gotta soak it all in. I mean, Game Boy games, it's about what you'd expect at this point. Like, hey, Mario Land uh, is available there, Mario Land. The cool thing is, yeah, you can have a Game Boy Color, like, filter put on. So it's like, that's a that's a cool idea. You can swap between it so it'll be like you're playing on a Game Boy Color. and And it'll do that weird kind of simplistic... Colorizing for the old games and whatnot. If you don't want to play with the aggressive green, but um, and the cool thing too is you can play uh, multiplayer for like hey if you want to play multiplayer Tetris or stuff, it'd be like the equivalent of having a, a link cable there. And then they showed they showed some games coming up for the Game Boy. Let's see, Pokemon Trading Card Game, Kirby Tilt and Tumble, the Zelda Oracle games. No uh no old Pokemon games though. But if Pokemon Trading Card Game is there, you know they're at least talking to the folks so i'm curious to see if they'd ever put those i games was on wondering about that because i th- i feel like and i'm a pokemon outsider yeah i think if they offered pokemon red and blue and yellow and stuff mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of people would be satisfied by that and not get the new pokemons if they had a pokemon hankering they'd go play blue i think you're just talking to a bunch of old people if you talk to anybody under the age of 20 i think they'd be Obviously but. not them. No. Right, yeah. right, right. So it's just like you're saying like buying Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is just people trying to like relive the glory days and it's like all right, I just I need a Pokemon on my Switch. If it's going to be an old one, so be it. I think somewhat yeah, you 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 know, your general purchaser remembers Pokemon from when they're a kid and sees a new one and is excited to buy it and maybe if they had access to whenever they wanted they had a Pokemon hankering, they could right. just go back to that old one. It could maybe, be. But different. then again, like Pokemon Scarlet and Violet just sold over 20 million copies. So I was like, yeah, you know what? If we lose some weird old people with one foot in the grave, no harm done. <sighs> uh, but Game Boy Advance games! That's exciting. You got Minish Cap, got a bunch of good stuff on there. Um, the cool thing is they have like the Super Mario Advance, oh God, help us. Super Mario Advance 4 colon, Super Mario Brothers 3 that Game Boy Advance port. But the cool thing is they included all of the bonus levels cuz there were like 20 or so bonus levels that you only got if like you used the e-card scanner thing, which was cool cuz like oh, new Nintendo levels for Super Mario Brothers 3. Um and tricky to get and now that they're all bundled in there in the expansion pack that seems like a cool way to go and they said golden sun's gonna be on the way and most importantly they showed Kuru Kuru crew the game that i cannot hope to pronounce um and i need to go back and check the trailer to see how they pronounced it but one of my favorite Game Boy advance games where you're a spinning stick and you have to navigate mazes it's like twitch based puzzle game i don't know leo did you ever play that thing did I ever force you to play that thing no, wasn't there like a limousine game that was a yes. spiritual take yep, on it? Yes, yep, yep. So the, I played in, that. Okay, yeah, Roundabout is the name of that one. There's like a couple right. of indie games that have tried to like revive the spirit of Karu, Karu Um, because Nintendo has just ignored it for a long time except for like, you know, bundling it in with weird stuff like this and they also released it on the Wii U as a standalone thing. But Sarah, do you think you'll play a single Game Boy Advance game on your Switch?
2: No, because I can play them other places.
0: yeah. Yeah, and the subscription I, like, service. I is like. I don't know They
2: like presented it, and it's like twenty dollars more a year for the Game Boy Advance games. So I was like, "Oh, that's why we crime.
0: <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yep. It'll be cool to have on there for some folks, though. So that's cool that they finally, finally did it. And now in the year twenty thirty four, you'll get your Nintendo GameCube on the Switch, Sarah. Oh, yeah, I sweet. can't. I
2: can't wait. I just like the it. libraries for these have all been kind of small and like Nintendo specific. Yeah. Too, which is weird. So I'm hoping that. Like, are they going to branch out to, like, you know, like, Final Fantasy Tactics? Like, when are when are they going to... Do they, do they just not have the rights for that? And we're just stuck with Mario
0: games? I mean, they have some. It just seems like... I'd imagine a lot of those third parties are just holding out because it's like, well... Like take like a Konami they might want for example, to it. yeah, because the Konami released the Game Boy Advance games for Castlevania not too long ago into bundle. It's like, well, if we just gave it away for free, we wouldn't be able to do. It. Or like Capcom, they have that bundle coming out very soon of like the Mega Man Battle Network and stuff. And it's like, well, why throw it away when we can charge suckers a boatload mm-hmm. of money to relive all these instead of the one-time payment? Yeah, people who from- really
2: really like Kuru Kuru Kuren.
0: Oh, look at you. Wow. Oh, hey, Sarah knows how to pronounce Japanese. <laughs> Very impressive. Uh, there we go. Nintendo Direct. A lot of fun stuff in there. You can check out our reaction for anything that we missed, but are there any lingering things that we missed from anybody here? Okay, I think that's it. Oh, uh, Splatoon 3 DLC. Some weird-looking single-player tees.
2: It looked like an indie game, like not to harp on indie games, but they were like, what if Splatoon was an indie game and maybe it was a little emotional and sad.
0: Right. It's called Side Order and it's just like a desaturated, sad yeah. inkling in this world. Which one of y'all theorized just means just you're in the, sad... the world with your... Oh, that was me. Yeah. I'm just a
2: sad inkling in a sad world.
0: I do think my be memories
2: cool. of what color used to look like,
0: but there's a lot of stuff that's out of your reach. So I don't even know if you could like hose down a building. Maybe you should have like the ultimate spray cannon in a way you've never had in Splatoon before or something. But yeah, that's way anti power wash simulator. Ooh, the way we want it. All right, let's, let's move on. Just in a direct glorious, lovely times. Um, Leo, I know you're excited to talk about this thing and we haven't really dove into it yet. Hip man freelancer. Yes. This is yes, that's right. The long-awaited mode within Hitman, and Hitman is now just one big bundle. You buy Hitman. There's no more Hitman one, two, three. Who needs it? It's just a gargantuan thing called World of Assassination. That's right. There's okay. some DLC you can buy within it. It's like seventy dollars for the full game, World of Assassination, and then three ten-dollar DLCs. Okay, it's for a total of hundred dollars for all of the content. Got it. And Hitman was already your favorite game ever, um, and now they're adding Hitman Freelancer, which is. It's like a rogue-like. Is that the best way to describe this thing? Yes. I, it was, I was one of my favorite games. And then they announced Freelancer a year ago, last January. And I said, I'm going to download this game and kind of get prepared, you know, practice up. Because that's so up my alley, this Freelancer thing. And then over the course of last year, it became easily my favorite game of all time. Wow. The more I dug into it, the more it rewarded me. And it continues to. And then this mode is easily the best it's ever been really so like when you go back to play hitman now this is this is the way to go yes and i'm still excited to play the other content like it's different enough but um let me explain the predicament i was in and a lot of the community was in please the hitman community yeah putting a lot of time into the game the end game the thing you're going for is to get silent assassin which is this rating where no bodies are found you never get spotted on cameras you only kill the targets and you knock out everybody else Which is kind of limiting, but still really satisfying. And that's all the top of the leaderboards is like all silent assassins for the top block that are just better and better times. Yeah. And so it's fun and satisfying to go for that. But playing Freelancer, which that is completely ripped out, even if you get it, it doesn't even tell you. Like it's so de-emphasized, which is a really smart move because previously, you know, you'd decide to go guns blazing you'd use that shotgun you unlocked and you'd have a little fun but then you'd get one star at the end and would play a clown noise at you <laughs> at the rating screen <laughs> and now there's no star rating at all and there's objectives all the time to use get a shotgun kill get a sniper kill tons of levels where bo- all the bodies can be found that you want and you don't get any kind of penalty whatsoever and it's really made me realize like as much as i've loved hitman going for the primo silent assassin best rating I'm cutting myself off from like 80% of the tools in that game. Right. Like 80% of the fun stuff you can do. And this having random missions with random objectives that sometimes push you to use any little microscopic thing. Uh, it just, it's it's exponential, these systemic games, the amount of fun you have in them. So it's kind of like the idea of, you know, some people really love achievement hunting because they're like, okay, I get to explore this game in this new way and do this angle that I never really cared about before. And just having random things thrown at you and hitman is like all you need to experience the sandbox in a new way definitely and like any good piece of hitman content it pulls you to parts of maps that you just haven't spent time in before and you right. realize there's depth to them i i have a lot of anecdotes from the game and i feel like those would be more fun to talk about as the specific like <laughs> stories that have come out of it yeah tell us the tale man on new york the bank map there's this vent that you can unscrew and drop a gun down into the safe deposit box room. And that's because if you walk down to the safe deposit box room, you get frisked there. And if they find a gun on you, you know, you're screwed. But, and I've known that's there for the years and never had a reason to use it because if I need to get down there, I'll just go replan starting location, basement, basement, Right. Bring everything I would need to avoid having to go through that frisk point. And this mode having no saves, no restarting, no replanning, none of that. It is just one continuous story where your gear is persistent. You're bringing in the weapons from your home base. And if you drop them, they're lost forever until you rebuy them. That creates this like sense of urgency and uh, uh, improv. Improv to right, what you're doing. Right. There's no like, I could do this better. You have to do it good now or adapt to how bad you just did it. But in this case, I finally had the chance to use this vent because my target was down there. I was in my started in my suit because you always start in your suit in freelancer. So I unscrewed it and dropped my gun down, got frisked, grabbed the gun, did a super clean kill and got out of there. It was awesome. And then later I go back to New York. I say, what a great time that was. I'm going to use that vent again because one of my suspects here in the showdown There's uh, multiple climaxes throughout a campaign where you have like eight possible suspects and you have to look at them in the camera, identify through their tells which one is your actual target. Like this guy has a hat on and a tattoo and they smoke or they eat food or they're here to do this kind of business meeting that you look out for. Right, right. So I go, I'm going to go check that person who's hanging out down by the safe deposit box using my classic gun in the vent trick, Leo special. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And, I, and I'm loaded up because this is a big mission, so I'm dropping, I drop three guns down there. I drop a gun and a dart pistol, all kinds of stuff. Cock of the walk. Walk downstairs to get frisked and get spotted on the way by a lookout, which is like a difficult type of NPC that's only in showdowns. And they tell my target, who then escapes, and I'm just in the middle of this busy bank in just my suit. I just dropped my only weapons down this vent. And so I'm just watching them escape. And because you're punished for dying way more than just leaving a mission, having failed it, I just don't engage. And I'm like, well, I, I guess that happened. And now I'm just going to have to keep rolling with it. and go get my guns back because that's more important. I don't want to die and lose my guns. I'll just get my guns and leave the mission and bring them back to the safe house. I go downstairs after it's all said and done, get frisked, walk in, and my guns are gone. It's taken too long and guards have spotted my guns and picked them up and taken them. And so I go, well, I guess they're probably in the security room. Ooh, good, good, good. So I get a guard outfit and I go to the security room and they're not there, but they do have other guns. And so I have this idea to take a gun off the table, go back towards near where I dropped them through the vent and drop a gun on the floor. And then I wait for an NPC to spot it. They go tell a guard, a guard comes (laughs) and picks it up. And then I follow that guard to where they've been keeping the gun. And I grab my guns out of that room and get head to the exit. Still pretty clean. Like nobody's mad at me. Right. And it says I failed the mission and I have to restart the campaign because it is pretty punishing about that. But it was like just a sense of victory because I had that little story had played out and I achieved my objective in it. Right. Which is there's so much room for that in this game. All that matters in this game, Freelancer. Yeah. All that matters is getting out alive. Like everything else is secondary to that. And that lends such a fun energy to it not being able to save scum or cheat that in any way that's awesome. i was listening to the next Lander podcast and they were talking about it and they made it seem like if you don't have the maps memorized already it's really hard to jump into because it sounds cool it sounds like a in theory less intimidating way to get into hitman is just jump into this kind of roguish mode but it, it depends on you like knowing this stuff like the back of your hand in a way, it does. I think you'll obviously have a lot more success if you do. Yeah. I like to think I knew the maps really well and I still got my ass kicked. <laughs> wow. There, I think it's overall pretty fair, but there were times where I was like, I don't like how this is proving that I'm bad at Hitman. Right. But, and I think if you come to it fresh because the mode sounds fun, which, which of course it really is, you just have to be. 10 times as patient as an experienced player coming to it because you can still learn and you can still take these targets and all these different parts of the map that will teach you that corner of the map right but you're it's going to be slow going and you're going to lose a lot and keep having to reset versus if you were to learn it in the campaign you're unlocking stuff all the time and feeling that progression here you probably won't progress that much if you're coming in totally blind that's amazing so everything that you wanted i mean it's just the ideal way to experience hitman from here on out um, it's, yeah, <laughs> I, again, I, I'm still excited for the other stuff Yeah. and I hope they keep supporting it, but yeah, this, I'll be playing this till I max out the mastery level for sure, which there's a hundred levels of unlocking different cosmetics for your house. There's this whole in-between part between missions where you go back to your house and you have your weapons on the wall and you can just go upstairs and drink wine, redecorate your house. Mm. And that's a big part of the progression is just getting new decorations for your house, which I adore. And it's so fun in every session to like change my outfit at the wardrobe by the door to match the location I'm going to. And then when I'm done for the day, I go in there and I switch to the outfit that's like a hoodie and jeans and just walk around my place and customize it and sit and relax. There's a meditation spot by the lake. And I will (laughs) literally at the end of a session go there and just meditate. And me sitting there just think about how lucky i am that this was made (laughs) it's so insanely up my alley (laughs) uh, down to that house where you just hang out right It's, it's it's so so many people are like confused by that like you just unlock different like art for your walls what's the point of that and it is it's to make me happy is the point of it. Well, I mean, it's right. amazing. And, and
1: nothing else you've said so far has made me want to play it more than what you just said.
0: So. I know. There you go. Yeah, it ropes people in. Like, even during, you know, the sales pitch video at Inferno Plus on MX's YouTube channel. Like, when you were talking about customizing your house, like, Sarah and Kelsey both perked up and took notes in a <laughs> fervent way. It's like, it's it <laughs> opens it up to a different type of gamer, I think, and it's super smart. One of the paintings I unlocked is like a painting of, of Jesus, like a Renaissance painting. And a lot of the cosmetics have specific interactions. And that one you can go up to and pray to. And 47 what? just bows oh. his head and does the sign of the cross.
2: Before you go out on your mission, you go, you get a blessing. Yeah. And it, thanks God yeah, to God. It out. makes
0: it darker, interestingly. Yeah. There's one other like, PSA I want to put out about this game if people are going to try it because of this recommendation. Yeah. You lose all your gear when you... Uh, fail a campaign which not every mission failure is of campaign failed but like an alerted mission or a showdown mission the higher stakes ones if you mess those up your campaign goes back to zero and you have to do like 20 in a row to finish a campaign and people have been fairly saying that's really punitive it really sucks that you lose all your gear not your weapons on your wall just what you had on you but any gear even if it's back in the safe house gear being lock pick explosives key card hacker poison all that stuff you lose it whether or not you brought it and people say that's really unfair and it does feel bad like i didn't even bring it why should i lose it yeah but the balancing that has come to my mind having played more of it which it just seems better and better balanced the more i play of it, is the fact that you lose it whether or not you bring it means you may as well bring it and they know that gamers instinct is going to be i need to save all my good gear right and leave it at home because what if i die and i lose it so you may as well bring it. And now that you have all these different tools, you can do so many more different fun things. Right, right. So that's, that's the gameplay n- necessity that that right. serves. Ha, huh. smart. Hitman freelancer. Um, how much is the Hitman package at this point, Leo? Do you know? Like, um, $70 full price, but oh, it'll really? go on sale. <laughs> and then, you know, 30 bucks a DLC. That I wish they just made it one thing. Yeah. It sucks that there's still DLC that's confusing people and they're oh, having no. trouble getting access and stuff. Oh, it's still not suck. ideal. Yuck. But, uh, I, but it, it's a steal at, the, at full price, and if you see it on sale. And this sounds interesting to you? P- please. 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 please, please I want this please, to be a massive please. success, please. so they just keep supporting it.
2: We, Where do what? they go from here, though? Like, and we thought that they couldn't like, improve upon it, and then they did. But it's like, we keep going up. Where is this Hitman ceiling?
0: Just adding more types of objectives, I feel like is something they could support it with. Like they do great monthly roadmaps and they could say here we're adding like five new prestige objectives because again, it's like adding exponentially the combinations of things that can happen from forcing you to do specific things. Yeah, and sadly, I just adore it. It's like it's too many. It's too many fun stories happening in a row for me to even like keep track of <laughs> or even remember. And sadly, isn't the idea is where do they go from here? They just go to Bond and work on their next game and kind of sunset Hitman once and for all. Yeah, and that would be that would be fair. Yeah, but again, I think this is going to get a lot of people in the door, and it'd be weird for them not to capitalize it. Plus, capitalize on it. Plus, um, part of the update, they changed elusive targets. You can look at your history you've done. you killed this one, died on this one, whatever. They changed it so it's categorized by year in Hitman 3. Mm. And having only done two years of content, that seems weird if you're not future-proofing it to just better categorize the the two years of content there ever will be. That gives me hope, even though there's been no indication that there's going to be anything past this. Yeah, yeah, right on. Uh, hey Jill, I want to talk to you about this um, this little indie game. I feel like I've heard people
1: say this little indie game so much is like a ironic thing when they say when they're going to talk about like God of War or something. Right. That I'm actually sort of not expecting you to say what I think you're going to say, but go ahead. Uh,
0: yeah, we don't do that on this podcast. We have a rule against it. No matter much uh, Jacob Geller insists on doing it, but uh, no, <laughs> it's it's a space for the unbound. Yes. You know, hundred percent. We we talk a lot about uh, bad game names and. I really, really like this game. A space for the unbound. I don't I think it. is bringing anybody in.
1: <laughs> nope. Get out of here. I'm sorry. I it's perfect. This. It's a hundred percent perfect. I'm wow. sorry that you're just wrong.
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see. I'm trying. To, if you are really hell bent on watching a bunch of the Nintendo indie presentations and stuff, or just all of Mad Max's content, I remember the trailer which stood out to me is it was like, oh, it has a great pixelated art style and i remember it yep. showed like a couple at a movie theater like mm-hmm. reaching for popcorn it's like that's a weird looking game maybe it's because i think i used it as a thumbnail that it stood out to me or something like that but um this is an adventure game adventurish sure. um, yeah. from the side perspective um but it takes place in indonesia in the 90s yes and i gotta say jill um god bless these indie games i think based on that pitch I was like, "This will be a cute little weird thing. Let me just see what this artsy fartsy story crap is like." And then I really, really fall in love with this game. I'm like five hours in at this point, but it's an adventure game, but it's like fun and funny and creative <laughs> and stuff. It's really unique.
1: Like, that's the second time you've deeply offended me. In that-
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I'm telling you that your taste in games this is correct. indie game
2: is, like, actually good? good? Look,
0: I play and enjoy playing indie shocked? games, but, like, I think you say indie adventure? game, adventure game, you know, with a very specific time and place. It just, it feels like it might be a little bit of a drag, but it is what, so When I hear is. indie adventure game, I say too bad that that isn't fun, but maybe it has other stuff going for it. That's exactly it, Leo. And I'm telling you with a space for Unbound, for the Unbound, uh, the answer is... It is fun. Um, It is cool. They pack... Like, you're running around one-ish area, by and large, but there's a lot to pack in there. And it's it's a great lesson in my mind of just pretty simple mechanics overall. Um, They pack in a bunch of, like, mini-games and fun little creative things. But just, like, how entertaining can you make this one space? How many ways can we have you explore this space but not have it feel like a drag it almost has a little bit of like that yakuza thing of like well how many times how many times am i going to be in this town but as you wander these streets they just keep coming up with new creative little twists and a big part of that is space diving is that what it's called jill yeah
1: Yeah, it is uh space diving and then you get another level of space diving Ooh. which i can't exactly remember Hanson, you're only five hours in yeah like i, I only pl- i think i only played for about eight hours i think was the full experience okay i don't know where you are but this game keeps going like it keeps yes. going places. yes 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 so like it starts out very like okay that's cool i'm a high schooler like you start out And you're talking with someone and you're helping them get through sort of anxieties and writer's block and believing in themselves. And you recognize they have this very uh, unfortunate, horrible home life. And you you think that's sort of what everything's going to be about. Right. And then you seem to die. (laughs) (laughs) Like you drown. Yeah. And then you wake up and there's someone in front of you who's like, wake up, silly dreamy person and you're like at school and you fall asleep and you're like oh okay interesting i don't know why they would start that way um and you just walk around school and you walk around you know being a teenager and you've got your girlfriend that you're gonna go out with but you're also
0: confused but like i don't know who this is but she says she's my girlfriend so i'll just go along with this you don't
1: remember anything that's happening every once in a while some like the the whole screen will just kind of and you're like it just happened why did that happen yeah and then things just keep going from there. You're like you're immediately aware that something here is not the way it should be. Right. But the gameplay is it's so good at pulling you in to believe that this is just gonna be your run of the mill like high school teenager right. adventure yep. game. Yep. And then like superpowers start coming in and like supernatural things start happening.
0: Well that that's the that's the bizarre thing, yeah. Like space diving it's like yeah. just an option you have, you can talk to people or there's some people you can space dive into and then it basically becomes Psychonauts where you're going inside of their psyche into their head and doing little adventure game things so you're like, okay, I need to get this person unstuck on this topic or they're having this nightmare and I'm in their head and I need to alleviate that mm-hmm. and so you go back out to the real world running around the city to get items to try and bring back into their head to try and alleviate it. Um, yeah, and, just-
1: and I really enjoy too that you're sort of questioning your motives for it like me as the player perhaps the the uh, character as they go along but like you do sort of question you're like I'm really just messing with this person's like future aspirations and life right. to like gain something that's fairly in- unimportant in the large like uh, one of the I don't know if you're at this mission yet or if you've been here but like one of the missions is like you want a cake for a girlfriend she's yes. not feeling well um So, like, a big part of that mission is to convince the chef who's just quit that they actually really do want to be a pastry chef instead of following their dreams and being another sort of chef. So, like, you're really going into someone's brain, convincing them that they want to be stuck in this job that they've just quit and obviously didn't enjoy. Just so that you could get a cake for your girlfriend. (laughs) right? (laughs) Like... There are some questions, and later on, like Hanson, I'm pretty sure you're not here. You see that that person Lizzie. again, and you see what that's done to them. Okay, okay. And it's one of the most horrifying, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh great! So, uh, yeah, it's horrifying and relatable at the same time, and I've never had that happen before. Okay. So I'm just like, I could see myself being this person and just screaming GANG! at people,
3: <laughs> uh-huh. but
1: um yeah so like there's this really interesting like thoughtfulness about the game that is is going through that you don't get in a game that's typically like high schoolers with magical powers
3: sort of
0: right games. it's a little wilder more creative more unexpected for for every turn here and like the art is so good it's like okay it's pixel art that looks great but just it's a type of like all right side view that occasionally it'll like cut to a close-up or cut to some interaction, different angle, camera wrapping around. Like, I think the art is incredible. It's one of my favorite uh, artistically, you know, visual games in a long time here, just on that alone.
1: Gameplay-wise, too, I really enjoy that. Sometimes they just totally change the way the gameplay works. Right. So, like, at one point, you learn how to fight. Yeah. And the fighting is just, like, kind of old-school fighters, like, learning combos and, like, doing combos against people and like successfully doing that will hurt them
3: right and it's
1: just like wow we're suddenly we went from this adventure game to like this old school arcade master is teaching me how to kick people like yeah and it's it, it it's very aware of how kind of silly that is and it's appropriately silly at those moments but then it like dives back into being really serious and really Uh, thoughtful and introspective and like it deals with some heavy topics
0: yeah Um, and it's just it's cool to just explore indonesia in the 90s like a setting at a time you never think that you'd explore in a game um but uh yeah it's a it's a little out of the blue for me so it's the developer is mojiken and the publisher is toji productions just completely took me by surprise but i really love it it's on everything but xbox at this point so it's on the switch it's on steam wherever you want it it's great on steam deck but a space for the unbound and like you know if this is not convincing you to check this thing out if it's a little bit up your alley is like it's still sitting at overwhelmingly positive on steam after what like yeah a thousand reviews in there and it's still at overwhelmingly positive it's like everyone that tries it's like wait a minute please don't overlook this thing. I know a lot of good games have come out recently, but it's in that bundle of like a Hi-Fi Rush or a Dead Space remake where it's like, it's a January game, but we need to remember how good a space for the Unbound is. So, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh cool. Hey, you know what? I think it is cool. You I put it on my wish list. Awesome. Do you know what else is cool, Leo? What? You can name anything. Uh... It wrong it's patreon patreon.com slash oh. with two n's everybody you can help support independent games media head over there unlock a benefit choose a tier that works for you find something sustainable and then it keeps us sustainable thank you to some of our big supporters uh overall i'm talking about people like hello fresh with hello fresh you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your desktop i'm sorry doorstop <laughs> skip through. <laughs> <laughs> to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. And that's why Jill, it's the number one meal kit in America with HelloFresh. Um there's there's uh promo codes below. I'm going to get into all this for the description so you can uh, save money with HelloFresh. It's one of those things where I love having HelloFresh as a sponsor of this podcast cuz I personally really love HelloFresh. And if we're going to plug anything on this podcast, plugging good food showing up at your door I'm delighted. So if you have any inclination, check out the promo code here. But hey, Leo. Uh, Oh, yeah, go ahead. On another podcast, they say, we're here to talk about America's number one meal kit. And then they said some name I'd never heard of in my life. I said, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Exactly. Hey, Leo, do you remember those uh, New Year's goals where you promised you're going to stick to it and eat well? Sure. Well, HelloFresh is here to help you eat better by delivering fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your door, taking the hassle out of dinner time. And Sarah, did you know that HelloFresh now has 40 weekly recipes to choose from so you can say bye bye to your recipe rut and treat yourself and your family to exciting new flavors each and every week? 4D. Incredible. 4D indeed. You know, the, the recipe, rut is interesting because, you know, I got a HelloFresh shipment the other day, and one of them was uh, meatloaves with a sweet chili glaze. And I was like, meatloaf? Yeah. I, I would never make meatloaf in a million years, but I. I guess I'm kinda of curious about it. And then made this piece of cake to make and then reminded myself, oh yeah, this is really good. I should have this more often. I don't know why I'm ignoring it. I'm a meatloaf stand. Really? Congratulations. Absolutely, underrated. Mm. Uh, also delicious stuff they shipped uh, to our place not too long ago, mango salsa pork tacos, delicious. Also, I'm very dumb and I'm terrible at cooking. I'm able to cook this. It can turn a schmuck like me into a uh, Chef from Min Snacks Grant level cook, like cozy holiday feast level cooking. Uh, go to HelloFresh.com slash minmax65, the number 65. Use that code minmax65, and you can get, surely this is a typo, 65% off plus free shipping. For your HelloFresh order, everybody. HelloFresh.com slash minmax65. Use code minmax65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Uh, that 6D. link is in the description. <laughs> That's right. Link's in the description for everybody so you can check it out. Also, thank you to our dear friends at im 8-Bit. They want everybody to know about one thing and one thing only, and that is A Monsters Expedition, plus earlier adventures. They have the Nintendo Switch physical edition of this thing, and then they also have the vinyl soundtrack for this. Um, this is Monsters Expedition. It's the I Am 8-Bit exclusive edition. There are four award-winning unique puzzle games in one, A Monsters Expedition, cosmic express, a good snowman is hard to build, and Soko Bond, over 100 hours of unique, no filler puzzles for this bundle here. So check that out, exclusive to I Am 8-Bit, the Switch version and the vinyl edition. And just check out I Am 8-Bit in general because they support us in a big bad way by shipping prizes to the community each and every week. And their store is filled with very cool stuff. So please go there and use the promo code SWEETHEARTS, no space, SWEETHEARTS for 10% off of everything under $100 in i8bit's online store. There is a link in the description with the promo codes for HelloFresh and i8bit. Use it because they're great supporters of ours and we want them to keep uh, or just to stick around in general. Um, and we really want i8bit to stick around because they're very generous because they ship out this prize each and every week. And this week they're shipping Untitled Goose Game. On the Nintendo Switch to whoever has the best question submitted over there on Patreon. If you support us at any tier on Patreon, you can submit a question for this very podcast. We're going to remember each and every question and choose unquestionably the one that deserves Untitled Goose Game. Uh, first question is from Drake Heinhorst. Are you ready for this, Jill?
1: I'm getting ready. I'm going to put it down so I do not forget it. Okay, okay I'm ready. God,
0: do you really have like physical paper there for your notes for... I love wow. that. What, what a classy move. like that. It's smart. Anyways, Drake Heinhorst writes in and says, Hey, Band and Company. I was messing around with chat, GPT, AI, and I gave it the prompt, write an opening to the MinMax Show podcast hosted by Ben Hansen and three cohorts. Topics include the Nintendo Direct, Hitman Freelancer, a space for the Unbound, and community questions. Here's the response. Welcome to the Min Max Show, where we dive into the latest and greatest in gaming news, reviews, and discussions. I'm Ben Hansen, and I'm joined by my three trusty co-hosts, Jill, Sarah, and Leo. Today we've got a packed episode for you as we delve into the Nintendo Direct, the latest installment in the Hitman franchise, the highly anticipated game, a space for the unbound, and we'll also be answering some of your favorite community questions. So sit back, grab your controllers, and let's get gaming. You should you should I intro you should intro the show with this and see if anyone on the panel noticed. I didn't notice. Notices, I was
2: like, wow. I I, a good intro.
0: <laughs> I was lightly roasting you and then I felt guilty after I was like, oh, what was he really trying a new intro? I didn't <laughs> want to feel that." But- Come on, everybody. Grab your controllers. Time to listen to a podcast. I thought Jill was going to cut me off when I said the highly anticipated game okay. is Space for the Unbound, a game oh, that came it. out you know, I, yeah. I
1: was being polite. I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, we'll talk about it. We'll talk it out. We'll see I was it. being I polite about the newest notice.
0: installment in Hitman. <laughs> 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 yeah, I regret I feel like it started the show on a weird note and I really regret doing it, but it was worth it for the sake of the experiment, I guess. It was worth it, Now, Thank no you. Regretted. Even people at the backstage past year were jumping in like, new intro? What is this? I don't understand this. Okay, thank you, Drake. Um, and let's never court with AI again. Um, Ampex writes in and says, hey, everyone, question for Jill. What was the process of getting the Indian Informer site, your site, to be featured on Metacritic? Also, keep up the Indian Informing. Oh,
3: thank you. That's a threat. Uh,
1: tech- I've got a lot of stuff going on right now because of the Next Fest, so please go and check it
3: out. Yeah.
1: Um, The process for getting your reviews up on Metacritic is surprisingly intense. Um, so I was sort of... Thinking about like how you how to build this platform that I have, how to expand my reach, and I'm like, you know, people check Metacritic. It's one of those things that they're like, if a game comes out, let me see what the score is. So I'm like, okay, I want a big aim of my website is to connect people with indies. I want people to be checking these out, and a lot of the time, if you go onto Metacritic, you'll find indies are not overly, uh shown there's like yeah maybe three
0: reviews maybe yeah Yeah. uh
1: so you get things like god of war with like hundreds of reviews uh and then a space for the unbound i think has like eight Mm. um so it's just it's sad because you want uh i think metacritic has to have at least three uh different reviews from different outlets in order for a score to even be populated and i I suspect that people are more likely to check out a game if it does have a score.
3: Right, for um, sure.
1: So I was like, okay, this might be a way to sort of f- for build things. So uh, not knowing exactly what to do, uh, I just went and was dumb. And I went to Metacritic and I was like, okay, let's see if they have a press content or a contact. And they had like a a basic like, hello at metacritic.com right. email. Right. Which I wrote to and I'm like, hi, this is me. This is my channel. This is, you know, how it's been doing. This is my goal. Tell me how to start this process. Um, Someone very lovely wrote back. It's like, I'm not the person you want to talk to. Here's who you want to talk to. So I did that again. Um, (laughs) And I got, you get a questionnaire that has like, I mean, it's like, it'll take years of your life to finish. It, It was, it's a very impressive intense uh sort of look at like what your goals are what your history is what the the site's history is what you've reviewed in the past like um what your kind of traffic looks like Uh,
0: so just want to make sure you're um, not just like spamming just putting a site up quickly to actually impact the metacritic score in a big way
1: yeah Uh, and just like so many things I've blocked out because it's just like, I had to go to a different website to see where I landed globally. And like, that's, I'm aware that I, I'm a new website and I'm fairly niche. So my traffic is not perhaps what an IGN might be. Um, but like seeing where you land according to like your sort of category, it's like, okay, that's not, you know, terrible, I guess. Uh, (laughs) all the websites that exist in the world. Um, But yeah. And then having to like sort of convince the person that you're you're going through this process with that, like you are serious. So I'm, I'm sort of talking through my business plan with this person of like, this is how I'm growing. This is what I'm planning to do in the future. I'm not planning to be just, you know, a flash in the pan and then go away and this is how i'm trying to build that up and at doing metacritic as part of that and of course if you don't know metacritics under um the fandom umbrella so part of at kind of the later end of this process was like all of the layoffs and stuff So like there was that extra level of like i'm really sorry you're going through this and i recognize that this is taking some of your time and I don't want to push you on anything and uh, them being very lovely for me, actually like talking with me through this, I had to do like a a zoom call kind of one-on-one really? Yeah. To like figure out if I'm like a real person and I'm not, you know, (laughs) just to see if I'm not like bonkers or anything. Right.
0: But you could get chat GPT to write a script for you to, to prove that you're real.
1: Yeah. uh, uh, I had recommendations uh that they had to check out they had to wow. look at my past history and like it, it was a really like it's, like it's a not a short background process. check it's yeah. like a gaming yeah. background check it's 100 percent right. a whole thing like it is a long kind of intense kind of uh scary process where you have to look inside yourself and hope you like what you see um <laughs> it- and for me i was really lucky and uh like i when speaking to my person like uh was told to like normally a site that's as new as mine doesn't get this sort of like they they kind of get like okay you're on on our list of like things we'll notice we'll wait but because i have a background being a game informer and like a games journalist before that like i i think they were willing to take that risk for me and right. especially because i specifically focus on indies and they are trying to make sure that indies get that kind of coverage that i was able to sort of in the end get on there
0: do you um i know this is so early but are you anticipating like a views bump on your site from like being in that ecosystem
1: um i think i think so like i think more people will stumble across me i think uh seo which anyone who doesn't know is search engine optimization is going to be like search engines are going to know me a little more because i'm i'm more in more places right. um people aren't going to stumble across me and think like oh this is just someone's dumb blog opinion <laughs> uh you know like it it is a level of like okay this person has had to go through some sort of certification process and like i'm not saying that that's like something that you should count necessarily, like
3: right.
1: yeah, I I'm definitely my my website is it's my own personal feelings and opinions and everything, but um yeah, I think it'll help in the long run. It'll help so. more people hopefully.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations, the Indian forum was the, name of the site. Uh, Ben J writes in and says, "Hey, min Max crew, have you all played any Steam Next Fest demos that have surprised you?" It isn't much, but I played a short demo called Mika and the Witch's Mountain, which is essentially a game version of Kiki's Delivery Service. Yum. Yep. I was immediately hooked on the concept, as simple as it currently is. I'd love to hear any recommendations for cool demos anyone has played. Yes, yeah, so the Steam Next Fest is going on until the 13th, until Monday. And um, I it's one of those things, like, yeah, I should check that out, I know. And then just today, I was cruising through it, and I was kind of struck by how many bigger games are getting demos on there. Like, oh, the System Shock remake is available as a demo on Steam Nexus. I never saw it Like, Darkest Dungeon 2 is on there. Mm-hmm. Planet of Lana, which I was really looking forward to. Kind of that beautiful game. Looks a little bit like a Play Dead game. Um, but I, I played a little bit of that demo. But um, Jill, I assume you're the only one here that, that jumped in a big way. Sarah, I know you're going to uh, in the future here. Um, but what, I only, uh,
2: I've only played, like, two. Oh, really? It's hard. There's so many
0: yeah. yeah? Has anything stood out from the two you played?
2: Um, The one I played was called... Let's see. I think it's called Pocket Mirror, and it's a remake of a 2016 RPG Maker game oh, where it's, like, weird. a horror pixel game huh. that has, like, a very soft anime aesthetic. Uh, And I was really, you know, I've been following it for a while, so I was excited to see the demo, and, like, it's got incredible RPG Maker vibes, because it is a, you know, a game from that era, yeah. but it's I don't know. I'm looking forward to playing more of it. It's very like girly, like rosy and pink. And then, like, also, it's very like Alice in Wonderland. Right. I would say the demo is. And the, I forgot that I was playing a demo until you hit that point where they're like, thanks for playing. And you're like, wait.
0: Uh-uh. Sorry. No. <laughs> do any of the Steam <laughs> next Nexus demos have that Nintendo Switch thing of like the progress carrying over, Jill? Do you know? Is it.
1: I, as far as I know, no. That's a bummer. Like, I've never had a Steam demo carry over. Yeah. Um, But yeah, as far as the question goes for like the um, demos that have surprised me, um, I recently played, and I have, by the way, anybody who wants to check out the indianformer.com, I have two lists up and a slew full of previews for demos that are currently going. Um, So one that I just played is Super Space Club, um, and this is a game that I had seen at Day of the Devs, uh, but unfortunately just didn't get the time to actually check it out. So now I got uh to actually get hands-on with it. It is pure vibes. I'm loving this game. It looks like an old school like Galactica or something, like a shooter type bullet hell thing. Yeah. But like the game itself is just sort of you pick a character, your character is uh, either a, kind of this hipster uh, lizard or some kind of uh, mammal. I don't know exactly what kind of mammal it is, um, but both look really cool. And they are supposedly in this thing, the space, super space club. And you go out on your ship and you're just like vibing. Like that, the, <laughs> the soundtrack, I can't even explain to you how much I love this soundtrack. It is huh. at one point cool and just so chill like the game itself it, the it's absolutely beautiful you're kind of drifting around in this it's got asteroids but the, right. the space of it is just like usually a color tinged with another color you can see the trail of your spaceship flying around the mechanics are all sort of like hoo, hoo, you know <laughs> so you're like you're feeling the flow of things and then things start to like attack you and then you like shoot out and you're like trying to drift around and shoot them and it's at the same time you've got this cool chill music going on and you feel cool and you feel relaxed at the same time All it's right. like when you're done you're just sort of like yeah like a, like i've never been a cool person you might not know no, <laughs> but no. like just like it's like you just drop the mic and walk away and and that's sort of how this game feels it's
0: just vibes it's, and yeah, i love it so much that's what gaming is for feeling like you are cool yeah accidentally cool yeah they describe it super (laughs) super space club is a lo-fi arcade space shooter to chill to (laughs) okay all right yeah
1: i legitimately this is not the sort of game that i typically gravitate towards yeah but i really if anybody has time please just check this out it's five minutes of your time and you will understand what's going on and like it's a cool feeling
0: yeah right on yeah is uh, saw so inkbound headed oh. demo on there uh, yep. leo didn't you play that a while ago oh yeah i played a bit of the technical test yeah what was that again um it's a rogue like with that with combat that's kind of turn-based but doesn't really play like it like you're kind of moving around and using abilities but it feels normal the other guys just aren't moving. And then oh, you press the button and then they do move. Huh. Did you like it? It was okay. It yeah. didn't really stick out to me. But I also didn't try it in co-op, which that seems like an interesting combat system to do co-op. So I wish I had insight on that. Right, right. Uh, Looking at Steam Next Fest, I'm most interested in uh, the Cook Serve Forever demo. I can't wait to try that. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's up there. Uh, GL, any other WoWs? From uh, yeah, jumping uh, over. So
1: definitely try out Lakeburg Legacy. Sarah, that might be something that's on your. Yes, yeah. I, that's why I literally have it installed. Yeah.
3: Lakeburg? Uh, uh, yes.
1: Um, it is a sort of settlement management builder type Ooh. game. But the bigger part is like amongst the other resources, your normal resources like wood and stone and coins and all that jazz, one of your resources is hearts and you you (laughs) grab them by coupling up people so like as soon as you get someone into your village you can like go onto like this medieval manuscript tinder like thing and like say yes to a a possible match and go on a date and you have to like help the the date go well and if it does they get married because that's what you do um and then if the date has gone well your meter for like love meter is higher so that you're producing more hearts and less likely to like fall uh, and, and like have a divorce or like a a affair or something. (laughs) Um, And then you can use those hearts for, you know, creating like other things. So you just can, and then if you also have more like, love interests coming in you get more workers to put into your village so like you want to continuously have people and then if they live in the same house for a while and they're madly in love they start having kids and then you can put those kids to work you know it's just you continuously and like these games do you you build up and build up and one thing needs the next thing and it's just for me it's one of those games that's so sucks you in for time so for most of these demos i try really hard to like get the idea and go so that i can like write things and and try more demos yeah this one i accidentally put over two hours into and i say accidentally because i had no idea i'd put that much time in until the game cut me off (laughs) (laughs) they're Um, like nope you can't play anymore i hope you enjoyed the demo go on to the next thing
0: yeah. Like, Lakeburg Legacies is the name yes. of that thing. That's sweet. Yeah, there's a lot to a lot to dig through. But Indian former, go to that site and uh, you can find some highlights there. Uh, Hunter Blessing writes in, and they say, "Hey, which is stronger, Leo's love for Hitman or Sarah's love for Final Fantasy 14?" I love this question. That's a tough yeah. one. Yeah,
2: I think Leo's been playing Hitman longer. I think I didn't start Final Fantasy until like 2018.
0: Okay. When did you start hmm. Hitman? Uh, When it first came out in 2016, the first one of the trilogy with the first mission was like January 2016. But how consistently have you been playing? Because I was kind of off and on. I didn't mm-hmm. put that much time into t- t- mm-hmm. two or what? three before the start of last year, really.
2: I will say that I did. I played through all of Shadowbringers, like mad and rapidly, And then I did let my subscription lapse until <laughs> the release of Endwalker.
3: Ooh.
2: So that's probably like half a year where I wasn't playing. Um, but I still have it now. And actually, I forgot, but I did play the original Final Fantasy XIV before they Ooh. nuked it, and they fried it, and they made it better. So I played the bad Final Fantasy XIV, too.
0: And I've barely touched any of the bad Hitmans. All right. But but do you think, in a, in a spoilers on Passion Off, do you believe <laughs> that you could take me?
2: I think if I had time to prepare my argument... You know, if I could prepare my thesis and everything, Mm -hmm. I think I think I could win.
0: I mean, we basically did it with sales pitch. The only two episodes of the new show plus show are Fortune and hitman. Like we could let the community vote on Twitter (laughs) to determine once and for all if you're okay with that. I mean, Leo, if you want to consider that your uh, spoilers on passion off. I don't, th- I think we could I don't know if I trust public milk opinion. it more. Okay, all right. <laughs> I think it's too soon to just have the answer. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> I think okay. we can find other ways to, to make these two concepts fight. Got it. <laughs> uh, Andy Wera writes in and says, "Hey, Maxers, is there an indie game you'd want to see remade or reimagined with a AAA team and budget? Indie game, you want to revive because it's tough. Because you oh. want to go for the greats, but like they're already great, so you want to find something at least in my mind that's like a little flawed, right? That like needs the the visual polish or something. But right?
1: here's the thing, yeah. And I I saw this question and I immediately wanted to talk about it because I'm going in a totally different direction you're not expecting. Ooh, I hate this idea. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: <laughs> and you hate Andy Wera for writing in with it.
1: Maybe I'll give him the prize just for that. <laughs> um. No, the idea that bothers me, and a lot of, like, during the Game Awards and a couple of past, like, uh, indie games that have won, like, best indie game or something, uh, the the concept and the talk that I hear and the discussion I hear around why these games might have won usually has people talking around something along the lines of, like, this game, indie game, is almost a triple A game, so that's why it's the best. And I hate this idea, really, because triple A is not the pinnacle of gaming. Well, yeah, indie is, indie is literally the best gaming experience you can have, <laughs> and like, I'm not joking.
3: I thought you were going to say this, you can't generalize, but it is
1: a. A, a level of passion and a level of interest and creativity that you don't get a lot of times in triple a gaming, like God of war got a lot of, of well-deserved, like, Oh, the, the introspection and, and the, the heart and the story. And blah, it's like, those are things that are everyday Indies. Like you yeah. go into yeah. an Indie game and you get that. Right. Like, I hate the idea that people believe that Indie is here, and then they're all aspiring to be AAA. And that's the pinnacle of what they could be, where it's like, no, it's the other way around. Like, if AAAs were more like indies, they'd be better. So, the idea that you would take an indie game and make it with a AAA team and, like, have a budget, sure, having a bigger budget to, if like, you don't need a big, like, you don't need more money than you need, if that makes sense, because then you just sort of, like, add bloat and add mechanics and blah 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 but like the idea that you would remake a game a, an indie game to make it be more triple A I'm 100% not for this, like indie all the way. If I would love if we could just take that idea and like take the AAA budget and like spread it over every indie mm. possible so they could have all the, the budget that they need for their vision that they have.
0: But imagine, but imagine, Joe, if you yeah, could see right. like in papers, please, the guards, if you could see their pores. Mm, I mean, if there you, was a
2: cinematic cutscene, scene, every, right. every single one, you had to watch a little movie.
0: Yeah, and right. a quick time event for the stamp. Need I say more? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine if you had gear score. <laughs> yeah. I think that's such a good point points. to make, Jill, and I'm really <laughs> glad you said that. It's interesting. Every year at, around Game of the Year, there's always that, like... Yeah, a lot of great games, a lot of cool indies, and then two real games that have a chance of making <laughs> game of the year. I mean, the two most expensive games that were made this year. We didn't right. give it to Chicory, you know, last year. Yeah. Or so. And like Hades is a total exception to that. Right, right, like, right. They mm-hmm. totally can can rise out of that, but it's like it is very much seen as if an indie could be a AAA, it would be. Right. Right. When that's right. not really the case, they're not. They're more lateral moves than a straight upgrade. Right. Right. My answer, Andy, is a uh, 1979 Revolution Black Friday, uh, <laughs> which was it wasn't an indie game, but they're trying to make it feel like a triple A thing. And it's one of those games, you know, where it's like it kind of had that telltale level of jank, but it was a cool idea to be like, okay, this is a documentary game about the Iranian Revolution, and it was it was a cool premise, and I enjoyed playing that game. But at the same time, it was just like, if this if this actually looked as good as it's trying to, I think it'd be a little more impactful. So. That's how you can make an indie game good. Here's, My uh, answer is always going to be Streets of Rogue to that question, which ooh. Watch Talk Legion should have been, but, but wasn't. Hitman yeah. Freelancer's closer. Ooh, interesting. Honestly, I the different disguises being the different roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Villis writes in and says, For Athia, dear Min Maxers. Hey, for Athia, Villis. Um, has anyone on the show played enough of Forspoken to address the truly greatest foible of its marketing team? Yes, I'm talking about the glaring lack of mentioning all the magical cats you collect in the game and all of the cat quests in the city. Where is the cat coverage on this game? Great question, Villis. Um, You would think that Square would have noticed that Stray was nominated for Game (laughs) of the Year because it had a cat in it and that they would have had a trailer that's just nothing but the magical cats in the game, but... I certainly didn't see a focus on it. Like, it was like, hey, Homer, the cat's in the background of a trailer or two, but I don't think they emphasized it as much as the internet. I didn't really
2: see a lot of focus in any of their marketing, I would say. (sighs) Sure. I would say the marketing for Forspoken was truly confusing in terms of, like, voice and theme and just, like, what they were trying to get across to people.
0: Yep. And everything they said, it was kind of the internet wasn't taking it well. Like, they had that one dev diary where the composer is like, yeah, the main character... It's kind of hip-hoppy. And then the internet's like, we don't like that. <laughs> so it's just like every step was just uh, tough. You know what I was thinking about, though? Uh, Villas, I'll address this to you. Um, I was thinking about Bethesda's marketing team and what a weird split that is because Hi-Fi Rush seems like one of the most successful marketing launches in a very long time for basically keeping it under wraps and then everyone gets to be like, Psh, this is way better than I thought it was going to be. This rules. And now everybody loves it forever. Um, so they have that. And then at the same time, probably that same team uh, also has been marketing Redfall, which I feel like is one of the most botched communication jobs in the industry in a while. Like maybe with the last video, you know, we talked on the podcast that people understand that it's not a Left 4 Dead style game, but I mean, people on like other big gaming podcasts, I don't want to point your fingers, just were under the assumption that Redfall, the new Arcane game was like a Left 4 Dead clone. It's like, if, if that level of gamer isn't understanding what that is at this point, that's that's a bad job. What is it? I don't know. Uh, no. <laughs> it's just open. It's more of a borderlands. I think it's just an open world co-op experience where you go around and shoot the vampires, you know. Okay. But I think it, we talked about it on the podcast, but yeah, I think seeing undead and co-op. And it's like, well, I know what that equals. Hordes of nonsense.
2: I feel like it also comes to the game, though. Because, like, Hi Fi Rush is really easy to sum up, and there's not much like mm. it. So it stands out. But, like, Redfall, you're like, I don't know, there's like vampires, and you can play with your friends, and you got guns. And it's like, that is so murky yeah. in the current landscape we are in, and the art style isn't distinct. So I think, as someone who has had to
1: market games, mm. sometimes you just kind of get dealt like a harder hand. Yeah. I think Game Pass is. Like, you can't underestimate how important that was for Hi-Fi Rush. Oh,
3: yeah, for sure. Y-
1: you could just jump in and, like, check. Like, I think initially when I watched people's reactions to that, most people were like, "Huh, oh, okay. Like, there wasn't this, like, burning love of, like, yeah, I've got to play this game. This looks awesome. Mm-hmm. It was really only until they jumped in the game that you start hearing all of these, like, wow, this is game of the year contender. Right. And, like, that kind of love. So... Maybe if we like when we get to uh Redfall, we'll have that. But like, yeah, yeah, it's
0: very different. Yeah, with Game Pass, it's like the best marketing they could hope for is if the first thirty minutes of the game are awesome and people talk about it. Like that's kind of all you would need to get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Um Joshua Novalis writes in and says, Howdy, Max. This question is for any pet-owning cohorts who are on the show this week. Recently, my partner and I adopted a cat, and we never expected that she'd have her own set of gaming preferences. When I'm playing certain games, she'll be glued to the screen, craning her neck to see as much of the action as she can. Then there are games that she couldn't care less about, napping her way through, or just leaving the room entirely. My question to you is, does your pet like watching you play games? Do they prefer some games over the others? Oh, and in case you're curious, says Joshua, my cat loves chicory, Death Stranding, Outer Wilds, and she's utterly bored by God of War Ragnarok, The Case of the Golden Idol, and Little Gator Game. Totally makes sense. Very logical <laughs> cat decisions I'm trying to see, like,
2: what the connection is. I, like, I yeah. get, like, chicory, the mouse moves.
0: Yeah. But, like, Death
2: Stranding is, like, all really monotone, so I was like, maybe it's color.
0: Right, but Little Gator Game, like...
1: Yeah, a Little game. Gator Game should have, like, you've got little things popping around. And, right. Like, I wonder if there's some sort of Sound?
0: Ooh, Perhaps the sound, mean. interesting. Maybe. What was
1: the other third one that the cat liked? Uh,
0: the cat likes Outer Wilds too. Good taste. Oh, Great. Because there's a lot of
2: like. Mood. The cat has good taste. Yeah. yeah. Um, well,
0: no, cat. No, I mean Sarah. Your name isn't cat. Um, here's the thing, though, cat. Uh, the cat hates Case of the Golden Idol. So yeah.
2: Case well, of the Golden Idol. But that's like boring for a cat, right? right? Okay. Okay. Nothing really moves. There's no mouse to chase after. I don't blame the cat for not wanting to read. Yeah, right. don't take um, that
0: personally. My cat liked stray mm. yeah. and was batting oh, at the screen and everything. Of course. But that's adorable. That's about it. He really likes watching movies. He's For some reason, in the past like year, he's suddenly really gotten into watching movies, but he doesn't really pay attention when a game's on screen. Huh, That's weird. But just seeing another cat or hearing the cat's like, all right, now I'm, now I'm locked in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. For my cats to stray, uh, not, like, seeing the cats, but, like, hearing the cat meow mm. was a big trigger for them to, like, run around and be like, what is so happening? And they're like, where is the cat in the house? They're uh-huh. in the walls! Incredibly yeah. authentic. <laughs> I think we game so much in this household, I don't know if, the, the, I think it's just a thing they think is happening in the background, even though our cats are, like, very... Uh, affectionate so I have a really funny picture of my spouse trying to like play but my cat really wanting to be held so he's kind of doing this with like the cat draped
0: over him (laughs) that counts as love I think yeah Uh, Sarah Poggers does he care about anything?
1: well
2: I was gonna say like he likes games because games like immobilize me Mm. and then he gets to sit on me so he's like a big fan of games and he doesn't really react to them but recently I've been playing uh, the story of seasons a wonderful life yeah remake and in that game, when you're walking around in the overworld, there is like one like very high pitch bird noise that was in the original, so y- if you know it, you know it, and it's I remember it distinctly, and it goes off like almost constantly, and every time it goes off, my dog like perks up and freaks out
0: perfect, and like
2: I don't know what to do because I can't explain to him that it's a game, and I also don't want to play with the sound off,
0: right, but it is
2: like incredibly disruptive because he's sitting <laughs> on me, and then it'll be like. Eh! And then he's like, what the like fuck's that?" perfect pitch? And then he like relaxes and he like goes back down and then he will be like, eee! like, what was it again?
0: <laughs> what the It's
2: been ruining the entire experience.
0: Is that game good? I didn't even know it was out. We can
2: just. Disc- I don't know. Do we want to talk about it when it releases in the US?
0: Oh. Are you playing the Japanese version? Yeah. That's cool. Can you believe they
2: released the in this day and age, that is they weird. released the Japanese version in January and they were like, if you English speakers can wait for June.
0: Yeah, can you, can you tease it? Tease your thoughts on it?
2: It's the same game. It's the same game? It's the same exact game. So it's good. Okay. <laughs> That's uh, a loaded question. That's right. a very loaded question. Okay,
0: it's some old-ass uh, Harvest Moon game. Uh, Keegan Day says, Howdy, I've been playing Pentiment and have been amazed at the historical details. As a birder, I realized that ecological details weren't as accurate. There are bird calls for whip poor wills and tufted titmice. Can we say that on a podcast? And other North American birds in this German village. Mm-hmm. Do you have any incredibly minor complaints about games that don't make you like the game any less, but still at you when you play the game? Keegan, first of all, I'm jealous that you're a birder. That's and I'm great. jealous that like everybody has just been praising Pentiment and it's historical detail. But I love that you're just being tortured by like, these hacks and obsidian phoned in with the birds of all the things you should do this keegan for all media just have a birder mm-hmm. review of i would everything. follow that yes yeah. yeah i would
2: absolutely 100%. because you know what i noticed yeah anna and i were talking about this on the last cream of the scene but like loons are incredibly overused yes as yeah. like a soundbite because they're and scary like, they only exist in like minnesota and i think canada like really yeah, they're like they're not, but they're you'll be you'll be in like New York, and you'll hear like a loon call.
0: Yeah, totally. And it's,
2: I hate it. It's inaccurate. It's Ugh. Minnesota only.
0: Yeah, and oh, that scary loon call. That's probably in more media than you kind- realize. Well,
2: that's why they use it.
0: Yeah, um, um, absolutely. Make a social media account for that. <laughs> like, do they Please. pet the cat, but do they honor the bird? Right, mm-hmm. right. God, that was the weirdest thing. Uh, going on vacation in Hawaii, I did not expect this, but like walking out on the street the first day. He was like, there are a lot of birds and all of these are calls that I've not heard before. And like, we're staying with somebody who grew up in Hawaii and I was just trying to explain that to her. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, these birds <laughs> are wildly different. And it's like, didn't you notice that when you visited Minnesota recently for a wedding? She's like, did not hear it at all. But like, I don't even think I'm that into birds, but I became really into birds going to Hawaii because like every sound is just wildly different from anything else. What were that? Like? Is this...
2: This is the start of your birder journey.
0: Um, I kind of want to get into birding. Um, Leo is like, Wool-a-lop! Wool-a-lop! and and such like that. Um, okay, yeah, that I'm glad you did that. And actually, the worst—the <laughs> worst or the best—was there are roosters all over the place. So it was like roosters at like three in the morning, waking our asses up. It was not something I expected from Hawaii, but they're everywhere. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyways, yeah, incredibly minor complaints about games. Um. That no one else noticed, but... I can't get it as minor
1: as the bird calls.
2: Yeah, um,
0: no one can.
1: I think... I can remember one, but I think I was in concert with... I want to say Polygon. Where um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you pop up, you get a horse. Mm. And that is not, uh, like, a horse that should be in that environment. There's no reason why you would get that kind of stick, skinny leg horse. In that space, they're usually, like kind of shorter and stockier and wow. they're better for snow. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, horse is gonna snap his legs and snap his legs. Mm. Get <laughs> out of here with this. And it's like a typical, like, I, I want to say it's like based on an Arabian usually. Cause it's got this very beautiful little long like majestic look to it but it's like that's not the kind of horse that would be like in this realm right why are you doing this to me i had this like my husband was sitting next to me and i was literally venting to him about this very silly uh horse thing i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna ride the horse but like just so you know i'm protesting (laughs) it's outrageous
0: uh sly cut (laughs) sly cut writes in and says i went to take a sip of my drink a while back and i noticed a tiny spider on the rim Uh of my cup if I no. hadn't seen it, no. I would have swallowed it and never noticed. No. no. Another time my wife was eating broccoli and I saw a little worm inching along in there. It's so small, she wouldn't have noticed eating it. My question is, if you could see the statistics of all the types and quantities of critters you've ingested in your life, would you want to see them? Yeah. It's an absolute no. yes from no. me.
2: Ignorance is bliss. What are you yeah. talking
0: about? 100% so if never. It was, okay, but imagine it was like a warehouse. Like a warehouse with like a white no. floor and it was just like, if you open that door, you will see every animal I, wouldn't open, I would consumed. burn that open
2: warehouse it? to the ground. I, I would just walk away.
0: What, Leo, what but, if you sh- open the door and it was just like, the entire floor was covered? What if it was just a horrifying amount? What if it was just a horse in there? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's a, uh, I'm fit as a fiddle now and if I were to see to all the bugs I've eaten to get here, I would, that would annihilate any fear of eating them. Right. Say, it, got me, it made me know I am. He would go
2: outside and take a handful of ants and you would just eat them. you would be like, this is nothing.
0: I've been known we to do an it. Far, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but. You know, th- this, that question made me think of how there's always cat hair just floating around this oh, house. No. And whenever I look down at my food, there's cat hair in it. And oh. just how much cat hair I must have eaten from not looking. Oh my know? God. Uh, I definitely had it where I've been reaching for a bubbly and there was a spider on the rim. And the scariest i've
1: never had that happen there's a lot of spiders Uh, why are you guys just having spiders show up around
0: things i don't know i podcast from a basement all over the place the worst is one time i was like looking at the camera this camera right here and um and there was a spider like web and like it was a full nest like right along the lens and it kind of freaked me out like there's been a spider like next to the lens that people have been seeing me on the internet from for months probably No, We're
2: not drinking beverages in your basement anymore? I guess. I just had a drink there yesterday. No,
0: I I clean it before you come, Sarah. As you can tell, it's (laughs) freaking spotless.
1: Like, Here's the nice thing though. When I went to Minnesota, I realized that you guys don't have the spiders that we do.
0: In California? I guess it's
1: too cold. But like we have the two big scary ones the the black widow and the brown recluse Mm. uh, which, you know don't live back there. So, you know there you go.
0: Well, we do have black widows here.
1: I don't Dude, know about Brown like now, we do. uh, No, they're supposed to only be in like warmer climates. I no,
0: they this. love it. They love this, they love the snow. They make a little igloo and they're just <laughs> and, fine. Um, Dan from Canada writes in and says, What was the most Seinfeld-like moment in your life? You know, an instance where you feel like you were on an episode of the show.
2: I've never when, seen a single episode
0: of Seinfeld. No! And
2: I wish it would just go away. God!
0: When I was in high school, I dated a 17-year-old. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> i forgot Deep what my up. real answer was gonna be <laughs> <laughs> that is that is um, one of those horrifying stories of yeah how old was jerry he's like 36 and he's dating like a 19 year old yeah, in the shows prime yeah jesus yeah. christ man
1: i um i'm sort of with sarah on the seinfeld like i'm not huge into it but i do have a really good parks and rec mm. uh, life situation please uh just literally like a minute down my street, there is a plaque, some sort of big memorial plaque that you think is going to be something fancy or something cool. And I pass it every day. And I eventually was like, I'm going to check to see what this is. When you look at it, it is literally memorial, uh, memorializing the horrible and brutal murder of a leading citizen of the town. And that is what that plaque is for. Huh. Like they died at that spot? They were like... murdered right there. And, and then, is, did you stand no. there and start to feel weird? Because I, I would. felt kind of weird. I'm like, Ugh.
0: and that's standing in San Francisco. You think that would be? No, like... I'm
1: I'm in the East Bay, but like, oh, okay, it's it's a bizarre sort of like. Why is this here? It looks like it's gonna be like, you know, here we founded
0: the city or something. Right, right, right. But no, brutal murder. Well, you know, yeah, can't win them all. Um, I re- I remembered mine. It was yeah. it was the E3 hive when I had that beekeeper's outfit on. And you could kind of see, like, my neckline under the beekeeper's helmet. And right. people were like, Leo's naked under that beekeeper suit. <laughs> and and had- I'm like, you're naked under your clothes, pal. <laughs> <laughs> that Wait, felt you like really naked under the suit? <laughs> I have the underwear on, but it's a suit. <laughs> you pervert.
2: You can wear clothes under the beekeeper suit. Yeah. You could. You can wear clothes under your clothes. <laughs> Which
1: I
0: do. <laughs> yeah, all video game characters, they're just one <laughs> sure. pixel away. Just one thin pixel layer from being completely butt-ass naked out there. Um, I forget if I told you this one, Leo. I'll i will leave all names out of it. But I was having breakfast with somebody from the game industry. Um, and yeah, I don't like to brag too much. And we're at a restaurant, and we're trying to figure out what we're going to order. And one of us really wanted, like, lemony pancakes, but they're also, like, waffles that look really good at this place. And so we're like, oh, who's going to get which? And then this other person who, again, we all know, <laughs> um, but he's like,
2: I've had to hear this story. Did you? Know?
0: Yeah. And he's like, yes. he's like, oh, how about how about we just get the pancakes and waffles and then we can trade one pancake and one waffle? I was like, that's perfect. because Then we'll get to mix all this together. right? So we ordered that and then the meal comes like, OK, great. Here's the pancake. Here's the waffle. Give it the hot swap. That's great. And uh, I like eating. And so flew through all the food, finished it ate the side of the piece that he gave me. I was just delighted. Um, then we sat there and talked. He ate everything except for the lemon pancake that I gave him. It just sat on his plate. And it was one of those breakfasts where it's like, well, I'm going to keep talking because I'm not leaving this table until he eats that thing <laughs> that I gave to him in this fair trade. Um, and he never ate it. It just got cold on his plate. And then the <laughs> waiter came around at the end and they're like, oh, would you like a box for that? And he goes, No.
2: <laughs> the issue is that you wanted to eat it. Yes, of course you, you wanted to eat it, but it's to rude. Him. You had forfeited the rights for the pancake. That's right. But then he didn't eat your pancake, so I should get that pancake. It. I should inherit
0: that pancake. If you don't want to eat it, at that point, that's my pancake. Did you ask for it? No, I thought well, that was be. Really, I, I thought it'd be rude. That would have been hilarious, though. I, I don't, not knowing who this person is, is it the type of person this you? Is, can I think the third time
1: to? I've heard this story mm. too.
0: I don't think I'd want to I want bring it up to him.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I also <laughs> want to like uh, air the idea that perhaps this person was just being kind and didn't want any of yours, but knew you mm. wanted both and was like, I want to make sure that I give this person something no. that'll make. Them I happen.
0: like that gesture, Jill, and that's very generous of you. But then they would say, no, no, please don't. No need to trade. I'll just donate a waffle to you. Um, please take it.
1: But there are people who are proud and won't receive that sort of breakfast charity. Mm,
0: it's got to it's gotta go. Pride must go with. And then they <laughs> fall. Um, Victor Pham writes in with something that nobody else wants to talk about, saying, With the news that Midnight Suns was a commercial flop, do you think there is superhero fatigue within the gaming space? Or do you think the poor sales are for a different reason? Yeah, so Jason Schreier had a tweet where he said he talked to with the head of Take-Two, Strauss Zelnick. Um, and they said, yeah, that Marvel's Midnight Suns, critically well-received, but a bit of a commercial flop is kind of the takeaway. Um, well, why do you think it didn't do well, Leo? You've been playing it. I don't know. Did, they, did we get numbers on how Avengers did? Ooh. The game? I want to say Avengers was like okay in the NPDs. It wasn't tearing it up or anything, but yeah. let me see. Because it doesn't strike me immediately as superhero fatigue, the fact that Midnight Suns... Which yeah. we're saying the fact that it flopped, did it really like flop flop? Or I did it just not meet expectations? I, I don't know where it was popping up in the NPDs. Let's see. NPDs, Marvels, Midnight Suns. It certainly wasn't tearing up the charts, but maybe just people are taking this tweet. But I'm wondering like to the level of, you know, do you think an XCOM 3 would have sold better than this? Like, I I don't know. It seems like just perception wise, it didn't make that much of a splash. And I think a big part of that is December 2nd release. I think it's tough. It's tough to get attention in that window, I think uh,
1: yeah. I agree with Leo. I don't think that it, there's a lot of that. I don't think the superhero fatigue is is really the driving force here because yeah. like half the people I know like game of the year for them could be Spider-Man Two, you know. So like when you have that situation, you're like, okay, it's not really about the superhero right. aspect. Um, but yeah, it might be that it it released in a time when everybody was doing a lot and there was a lot to play and I think that there is some difficulty in a new superhero property with superheroes you know but like these aren't your superheroes
0: also that's always a little tough well that's the big thing too is we shouldn't overlook the fact that it's called Midnight Suns like even comic fans are like what okay I guess I maybe remember that run but it's not like a legendary comic run or anything um, yeah. RC took in the backstage pass chat took the words out of my mouth. I think the mass superhero audience and the niche strategy genre just doesn't cross over a ton. Right. Yeah, I it's think like that the might, Venn be, might like
2: be a diagram. It might be a surprisingly
0: pool. small cut. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas That'd you know in both things. From Francis' point of view, if Marvel reaches out and says, Hey, do you want this hot property? They're like uh yeah, the biggest movies in the world, of course we want that. Um, just thinking it's an automatic success. And it's like, yeah. Oh. Not so easy. And you got to wonder too. Even if it's good. Even if it's good, yeah. But you got to yeah. wonder too. And also it's Steam Deck Verified now, I just saw, which I'm excited to actually go back to it and, and pick it up again. But you got to wonder in like their post-release reports, I'd love to see what they come to for a conclusion and whether or not Marvel Snap hurt them. Because like, well, there's this Marvel card game, 60 bucks, so other Marvel card game that's free and everyone's raving about it. You know, it's like, that's a tough market. Yeah. Um, and let's see. So, This site says it had 15,000 peak concurrent players on Steam, apparently. Um, Sales-wise, it's less positive. It debuted in a mortifying 26th place in the UK physical sales charts, apparently, according to GamingBolt.com. That's physical and that's UK, so take that for what it's worth. Um, Let's see. Uh, Kyle Silva says, Hey, ManMax, I don't have a question this week. I just wanted you all to know... And by the way, this is welcome. I love this. Just weird little factoids. I'm all for it. If anybody wants to just volley things that we can learn from. I don't have a question this week, says Kyle Silva. I just wanted you all to know that the theme for Nero in Devil May Cry 5 has over 71 million views on YouTube. (laughs) While Virgil's theme has over 80 million views on YouTube. And the part that blew my mind is like I went and looked at sales for Devil May Cry 5 Total of 6 million copies sold, which is damn impressive for Devil May Cry 5, but 71 million views, 80 million views for this stuff? There's gotta be
2: some, and the person who, like, that I'm looking at who posted it only has 23,000 subscribers. Mm. So there's gotta be, it's gotta be linking out to something.
0: You think it was like embedded somewhere or it's just like no one else something, was posting well, like, the Devil Trigger song. 71
2: million views in four years. It's shocking. And it's shocking. a six minute song. Right. There's <laughs> gotta be some, there's something. There's something going on here.
0: I mean, to be fair, mm-hmm. I remember back again. Game i made fun of this song, the Devil Trigger song. Um, and I've never eaten my words more because then I, I was listening to it like a couple years ago, I think for like Trivia Tower or something. I was like, wait, A, does this song rule? And B, secretly, I think it's an AFI song. Uh, one of my favorite mm. bands. So just, I know this is a deep cut, but just imagine AFI singing this song, please, if you know them, because it's right there. And with these views, they should. <laughs>
1: I was sort of thinking like,
0: You're trying to get some of those views, aren't you? Please, (laughs) people can come here and listen to it. (laughs) That's right. She posted on the next channel.
1: Pushing it out to people to make sure that they mm. listen and watch. Come on down. No, there's no, like no. others, like
2: this channel has 15 subscribers and they posted like two years ago, they posted this like Devil May Cry 5, like Virgil's Rebirth sound selection. <laughs> yeah. It's got 9.4 million views.
0: What is happening? We are it's in a- the
2: wrong business. Like this, like they have 15 subscribers and a 9.4 million viewed video.
0: So we can, new show plus option. And it's just us doing an acoustic cover of Devil Trigger. I think it would think have up. to be
2: us sitting there quietly <laughs> listening to the song.
0: <laughs> just over and over again. One hour loop. All right. right. Chan in the backstage past like, chat has a good point that it's a song, so it gets replayed a lot. That, it yeah. a it's just so catchy. Uh, yeah, I
1: was thinking about that, too, because like when I write, a lot of the times I'll put on like a YouTube song or like mm. a, a compilation of songs or right. whatever. So And they'll repeat and repeat so Mm
3: -hmm.
1: i don't think that that particular song would be conducive to writing but (laughs) i think it's just such a niche game too like i expect
2: it for like mm, bigger games
0: yeah i mean Uh, this this is a side point but i i found that video game songs uploaded to youtube that comment section is the second nicest place on the internet second to our discord it's like, because okay. nobody who hates a game would ever go look up a song from it. So it's all just right. people going like, this was the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. did not you love this part? God, Leo, I forget if you're on this episode, but a while ago we were talking about like things that always make us emotional. And I talked about Joni Mitchell's circle game and I was like, you know, I want to hear that. So I just pulled it up on YouTube, just like the highest viewed uh, version of that song. It's a beautiful song. I then made the mistake of looking in the comments. I was a ball of tears. It is the sweetest comment section I've ever seen in my life. It is just filled with like old people reflecting on their lives and like, well, I'm near the end, but it was a pretty beautiful ride and this song got me through a lot. It is like- That's going to
2: be you in 50 years.
0: I know, it is unbelievable. It is the most emotional website I've ever been to is the comment section for Joni Mitchell's (laughs) Circle (laughs) Game on YouTube. Oh my God. Nice. Uh Garen Wainstock, Garrett Wainstock, writes in and says, uh, where do you think all the Labo kits are right now? It's been five in years.
2: recycling.
0: <laughs> it's been five yeah. years. But it, they're beautifully recycled compared to all other toys. Like
2: They knew when they released it, they were like, people are going to throw this shit away.
0: Yeah, we probably like <laughs> ate food out of a box that was a former Labo kit or something. Um, wow. But Garrett says, <laughs> just think about it, man. <laughs> Garrett says, it's been five years, which means many of the kids that built them are teenagers and need the closet space for clothes and grunge CDs. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, do you think, I mean, I, I hit that breaking point maybe like three years ago. Of Like, I love Labo, but you got to go. I'm, I'm throwing it away at this point. Um, I, I, if you still have Labo in your house, please call somebody for help. Um, Sarah, did you ever play with Labo? All right. No,
2: because I looked at it and I said, that that looks like it's going to go in the trash.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It did. But it was cool to play a little cardboard piano. That's something I've done in my life that you haven't done.
2: I feel like I can imagine what that would be like. (laughs) And not need to spend the money to assemble it myself.
0: Yeah. It was great for people who worked at a Game Informer or a similar office to have one around and be able to try it. Yeah. There was
2: one at the Mattel office. That we had, that they had gotten, and I swear to God, it had like three inches of dust on it. Oh, this no. was in like 2018.
0: <laughs> and then you blew it off and played the Phantom of the Opera theme on the piano. Uh, that, uh, it was so weird. I booted up Super Mario Odyssey this week, and I was playing with my nephews. And it's so weird that, like, right when that b- game pops up, it's like, play this game in VR. I was like, God, I forgot about that, that Labo VR existed. But the fact that that's still like, baked into Mario Odyssey now for you to play that game with Labo VR. <laughs> What did they have against VR that they wanted to turn people <laughs> into haters of it so bad? Uh, Bear Commando writes in. Oh, this should have been by the Seinfeld question saying, "Has anyone noticed that the amount of lotion and tissues, quote, with lotion, has significantly decreased in the past decade? They used to be a lot wetter." Somebody <laughs> else noticed that. I don't Is this know. the bird sounds? I guess. <laughs> Yeah, this bird gets on top of everything. <laughs> Mick Manga writes in and says, hey, number-loving cohorts, that's us. Uh, okay, I know numbers aren't for everyone, but with the Switch surpassing both the PS4 and Game Boy in total sales, all that remains for the Switch to conquer for total hardware sales is the DS and the PS2. It's only got like 30 million left to go. So Switch is at 122 million. PS2 is 155. DS is 154. Mick's wondering, will it ever do it? I think it will. Yeah, if they yeah, keep I mean, not doing a Switch Pro. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. And
1: releasing things like the next Legend of Zelda, which right. is going to sell. It's going to have people buying Switches that never bought Switches before. So imagine yeah, buying a Switch right now
2: and the absolute like treasure trove you now have to. That, what a, what a joy. What a joy. You don't have to wait. Everything's already there for you.
0: It'll go forever. I mean, Wind Waker remake, everything you want. Uh, okay. Josh.
2: No, let's not let's not, <laughs> you know, the wound is fresh Ben. Okay, let's I'm sorry. not twist that knife. I'm
0: sorry. Uh, Josh LeBas writes and says, video production question. Ben, is that big new PC rendering video extra quick? Was it the graphics card, the processor, both? I have an NVIDIA 1660 and Adobe seems to render nearly the same using hardware acceleration or not. What's the trick? Uh, so I upgraded the bejesus out of my PC. It has like 64 gigs of RAM in there at this point. Kind of say, I'm not blown away by like export times for video it's it's fine it's faster but i wanted it to be like four hour videos and like i couldn't even blink fast enough also help me out internet this is why i include this question because since upgrading everything in my computer my computer actually goes slower it gets hung up more often it like locks up and freezes more often like little spinny icon i mean little spinny icon three to four times a day just on standard use is there, did I mess something up? They installed it for me, but I'm just stuck by that idea of all that RAM and it's going slower. Something have must be reset wrong. reset Windows? What does that mean?
1: Yeah. Have you tried turning it on and turning it back <laughs> off?
0: <laughs> if you go in your settings, you can do a reset, which like deletes some of your files, but it gives your computer a fresh start. I used to have okay. to do it all the time when it, my computer had continuous problems. Well, I upgraded to like go the somewhere? most recent Windows OS, um, but maybe just a full. Yeah,
2: Windows 11.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You don't?
2: Wow, <laughs> That was such not an a, expressive a, look. I love it.
0: <laughs> Wait, why, why don't you have that, Sarah? Isn't it automatic? not, not just... an
2: early adopter.
0: Oh, it's okay. I've heard pretty much only bad things about it. Bad to medium things. Maybe so that's, that's maybe why. That's I, why... Yeah, maybe it's just Eleven's fault. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Jaron writes in and says, Hey, crew, decided to play Fable Anniversary recently and it inspired my question this week. Um, farting. Funny or faux pas? They want to know.
2: <laughs> we need context. <laughs> Tonight's It's top entirely context-based.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I agreed. Okay. So in what context is farting going to like slay you, Sarah?
2: I don't think it ever would. Yeah. That's just like a me personally. But there's times where I absolutely like, in like a Fable sense, I like, I cannot stand it.
0: Yeah. You know that I
2: played Fable and like, I did not like the humor in that game. Okay. Uh, when I played it, but that was one of like the weirder parts.
0: Yeah. I wonder if it's like, I think, jokes about farts can can get me. I think like fart sound effects in the right place can get me. I don't know how funny I find real farts. I think is maybe, is that the dividing line? Have I told this Ouija board story here before? (laughs) Oh dear. It sounds like a
2: perfect opportunity. (laughs) I can't wait to see how this relates. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. We did our meetup this past summer. Online friends getting together Mm, in a house here in the Twin Cities. Great time. On a whim, somebody was like, Have you ever done a Ouija board? We should try that. We go to Barnes and Noble, get one. We're doing it with the full group. People are riffing on it and stuff. You know, our friends asking questions, (laughs) but people can't resist cracking jokes and that's fine. But there's like a contingent of people that say, I want to just give this an earnest try. I don't fully believe in it, but it's would be fun to like actually do it. You know, so let's go off into the bedroom upstairs, lights off, candles lit. And my friend Jake did a great job leading it. Like, Taking it seriously, yeah, yeah. Asking questions, being respectful. <laughs> We're getting some mild answers, quote unquote. You know how Ouija boards work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the question Jake asks is, "Are you afraid of us?" And then the the Dow slowly moves to no. Okay. And he says, "Should we be afraid of you?" And then my other friend. Let's out the loudest, deepest, basiest fart I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and damn if we did not laugh for fifteen minutes. <laughs> and then we're like, okay, well, we're done. Nothing better is gonna come out of this than that. The ghost
2: just laughed. The ghost is disgusted.
0: I mm-hmm. that's perfect fart comedy. You, that is an example of undeniably funny fart. And do you think he was holding it for like Oh, I need to save it <laughs> for when we ask the second question because I know well, exactly. Well, do you think
2: he got too scared? <laughs> yeah, like in your, oh, in your, yeah,
0: oh, the interesting. The fear induced. I'm sure it happens all the time. That's amazing.
1: See, <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't help but feel sort of initially bad. That's why farting jokes don't usually work for me because I think in a situation where one farts in front of someone, it's usually embarrassing. Mm. So I'm like, oh, like I can't watch things like Meet the Fockers or like that sort of humor. I'm just like, I feel so bad for you. I hate this.
0: Interesting. One of my favorite movies, Swiss Army Man, is about this very question. Right, right, right. And in a way that I think... People who feel that way would get a lot out of it. Hmm. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, Zay says Hey, man, Max, I recently restarted an eight hour playthrough of Persona 3 Portable so I could play as the female main character. In Pokemon Sword and Shield, I restarted the game twice because I thought the opposite gender had better clothing and then decided the outfits weren't worth it. Is there any reason you'll restart a game hours in? Have, has there ever been any game you've restarted several times in the past for petty reasons?
2: Hours in? I don't know if I would restart from the beginning, but I feel like I've just like dropped games because I didn't like the story path that I think I ended up on. Okay. And instead of restarting it, I'll just say like, well, that was fun while it lasted. Right. Um, I did restart in Tactics Ogre because I didn't like the story path that I was on, and I was like, we got it back. We got to I'm I'm sorry, I didn't realize that this was the bootlicker path. Yeah. So <laughs> I had to go back, and I had to pick a different route. Um. But I've, like, you know, I've restarted for, like, you know, Animal Crossing. You don't like the fruit you get. That's Ooh, a yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's,
2: like, that's early game. That's, like, right. you step on the island, your villagers are ugly, like, nope. restart. <laughs> like, absolute, like, restart. But I've never, like, gotten halfway through a game and then been, like, you know what? I think I'd like to start from the beginning, right now, immediately.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I just know that'll be the end of me playing that game. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I have a better chance of continuing it. Which maybe isn't even true. That's just how it feels.
1: Like, I know that... Uh there were some people around Pentiment who didn't take it terribly seriously in the beginning.
0: Yes. Yep. And That's
1: then true. were like, oh no. Like what I was doing mattered and now I'm not where like things are not happening the way I want them to, so like they did go back. Um but I just stuck with it. I'm like, yeah, I was a fool and this is what I earned. So <laughs> okay.
0: I hate to drag us back to this. But I'm sorry I need to share this with the class. Michael Berry, watching us live at the Backstage Past here, said a friend farted one time and said, quote, some asshole is talking shit behind my back.
1: That's a good line. That's, <laughs> a good reaction. That's a good reaction. That's a good line. I wonder if he thought of it beforehand was like, yeah, I'm going to use this.
0: God. I can't wait to have to fart. Yeah, <laughs> He's trying to just chomp on some beans just to try and get, get it to go for good. Get, get it to go faster. <laughs> hey, can I? Um, good point. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a podcast. is for. good points. Um, there's an indulgent question, but I think it's interesting. I think we'll get to a spot where there is some insight here. So, permission to say something and you can all stick with it? We'll see. Okay! Uh, that sounds like a commitment to me. Adrian Creates writes in and says, Hey Ben and crew, something has been on mind since last week when I watched your cozy holiday feast on YouTube. Ben, do you remember when you asked, Do babies get sad? While you sounded a bit out of touch and robot-like in your tone—I don't know about that, Adrian—it's actually a fascinating topic. I wanted to share just one point of interest. I'm a huge fan of psychology, and some recent classes I've taken have helped explain that emotions have a connection point to language. That connection point is our thoughts. Negative feelings come from our negative thoughts, and negative thoughts require language, specifically complex negative thoughts. Think about it. You can't actually feel sad about something if you don't have an articulate sad thought behind it. Take a basic example. Quote, I'm a failure. You not only would need the vocabulary to articulate that, you would also need some social context to be able to allow the concept of failure to have any effect on you. When it comes to babies, they of course have feelings and emotions, but their emotions evolve dramatically as they begin to understand language. More evidence of this has been found in a very few disturbing cases where children were left in solitary confinement without social interaction and without language. After freeing those people and teaching them to speak, they would explain that before they learned to communicate, their feelings felt very basic. Like, this feels bad, this feels good. So when it comes to needs being met, do babies feel sad? It depends on how much they understand language, Adrian says.
2: I feel like that's just saying you can season your sadness. Like, bad, like, you can feel bad. You can feel sad. Right. But now when you get fancy words and, like, societal contact, that's just, like, extra seasoning on ways you can feel bad.
0: More nuance to the mm-hmm. negative Badness. vibe. Yeah. But babies can't feel like failures might be a more distinct thing A baby's not going to be
2: like, I sh- my pants i have failed i will never (laughs) climb the corporate ladder like that's just like ignorance is bliss though
3: like i want to
1: like yeah i'm sure babies don't have a lot to be sad about but you do have studies in this society yeah Yeah, you have studies also like some of the more famous studies of like um monkey parents not holding their babies like and the and the babies like having issues with that and you can like measure that so like you you can see the implications of sadness even in uh, creatures that don't have language in the way that we have it right um I, I i'm gonna feel really fancy right now and just shout out that like i'm currently reading jane eyre because i do that sometimes Whoa. and
0: the book,
1: there's a there's a section which i really like where uh jane eyre is talking about being a child and like obviously uh author is talking about her experience as a child through the character but um, you experience things that you cannot articulate and that makes you more frustrated because you cannot tell people and express and get that off your chest. Right. So it is stuck within you. So like babies might be more frustrated because they can't communicate to you why they are sad and they cannot relieve the feeling of sadness. And it's probably the worst thing that's ever happened to them because they're like A baby.
0: Well, I think coming out of the womb would be the worst thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah. What a nightmare. It's
1: like, this is terrible. So. Yeah. I I wish I could tell. I I wish there there was someone I could tell and unburden myself. But alas, I am a baby.
0: Yeah. But even babies, they don't like look at each other and give like a head nod. Like, yeah. yeah. Alas, I can only talk to other babies. (laughs) Which like, I'm a twin. So I always had someone there
1: who could like communicate with me.
0: Hang on, Jill, Um, you're a twin? Uh-huh. sarah's a twin
1: i'm a
2: twin too wait a minute twins of each other?
0: <laughs> you're long <long-class> lost twins <laughs> <laughs> what this is a new,
2: on quadruplets now this is,
0: a this headline is how product. we decided to announce it oh my god <laughs> yeah. uncanny we've
2: actually been related this entire time
0: <laughs> uh crab palace writes in and says mm, i was watching a rap battle crab palace by the way he wrote a min max rap one time i think we played it on better quest but Crab Palace says, I was watching a rap battle, and the rapper Tony D said, quote, oh, hello, uh, that was Pogger's, Sorry, I Pogger's presume?
2: already was not interested in whatever you were going to say. <laughs> okay,
0: it sounded like a good old Pogger's fart. He doesn't think rapping Aww. is music. Yeah. So no. Tony D says, I am way off from the norm. I engage God to play dodge with the raindrops and the storm. And then Crab Palace asks, what's the coolest you've ever heard? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty good. Um that the the line about farting um <laughs> I got talking on my back that's pretty good um my immediate thought was, and I was trying to dig around to figure out if this is actually if this was come up with on the spot, but it certainly feels that way, but do y'all remember Fernwood tonight' it's an old uh, comedy show uh from the seventies um I think it's seventies, early eighties anyways there's an episode with Tom Waits on it, and Tom Waits goes onto this set um and he's talking to the hosts of this uh comedy talk show type thing um and there's they're like there's a table and i think tom waits my memory is that he like puts down like a bottle of booze and they're like oh you gotta get some booze there and then tom waits just says in a very casual way i'd rather have a f- <clears throat> okay i can't blow this i'd rather have a okay hang on <clears throat>
3: It's, I, it's, it's I can't blow this. This. No, no. this. I can't blow this. I can't blow this.
0: Lost. It's he's, over. He's, he <laughs> says, There's no coming back. <laughs> there is. Leo, there is. Ready? Tom Waits looks in their eyes and he says, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. and, yeah, them and them on the track. Isn't that mm-hmm. amazing? And it's so casual. It, it, it has to be. Off the dome, but there's like apparently debate about whether or not it's from like National Lampoon or something before. Um that sounds like, yeah, just a, one of those phrases that But have you ever heard shared? it you can Google it, you can't find the origin of it. So you think Tom Waits master lyricist did not come up with that phrase on his own? It's if I heard somebody say it, I wouldn't assume they did. If I just heard somebody at a bar say yeah, it. Yeah, but if that person at the bar was Tom Waits, I think you'd assume they probably came up with it. I wouldn't recognize Tom Waits. Uh, so okay. if it was him, I still wouldn't think that because I wouldn't know who it was. Leo, Tom Waits is actually your twin. <gasps> and he's here right and now? And he's here with right us. now. He's been podcasting with us. Uh, Zatch Moore The coolest, in, the, the coolest thing oh, I've yeah, ever heard please. is from a Philosophy Tube video a long-ass time ago that has effortlessly stuck with me, even though I don't think I'm going to get it exactly right. It was like... If you work all day at a job you hate for somebody whose main job is owning stuff, then are you really free because you pick what socks to wear and what to eat for lunch? Hang on, one more time. If you work for somebody who owns
1: stuff and depressing.
0: Yes. If you work all day at a job you hate to make money for someone whose job is owning stuff. And mm. are you really free just because you pick what socks to wear and what to eat for lunch? Hell yeah. We should all go back to college. Uh, no, that's good. That is good. <laughs> or that's watch a- YouTube videos from somebody who went to college. <laughs> that's right. Zatch Moore writes and says, hello, Max. This question is for Leo. Mm-mm. Sticking with the theme here. If your last name could be any other surname from the Star Wars universe, Leo Vader, what would it be? <laughs> <laughs> Let's rattle off some good surnames. Uh, okay. Uh, Zatch Moore says Leo Jetster has a nice ring to it. Jet Jetster, of course, from the diner. Okay. Um, there's Leo, Win- Leo Windu. Pre- kind of flows beautifully. <laughs> Leo Antilles. Leo Mall is a pretty well, good one. Leo Mall does sound good, but I, it's probably going to be Leo Banks. Leo Banks <laughs> is solid. <laughs> Leo Duku. Um, <laughs> F tier, <laughs> I, I, I looked it up because it went down the Wikipedia rabbit hole of like, what is Count Dooku's full name? Turns out Dooku is his first name, his last name is Sereno, the name of the planet. Just in case there's any Count Dooku fans out there, um, Leo Fisto, okay,
1: it's a name.
0: What about Leo Calrissian? It kind of already sounds like the real name, so it sounds that good. That is, yeah, okay, Leo Fortuna, okay, Andor. all right. Andor. L- Leo Andor? That's a beautiful flow. Be that's a beautiful flow to it. Leo Urso. I think Leo, that's the secret of Leo, is it goes well with any Star Wars name. Whereas what? Ben Kenobi? You can't combine them. They sound like trash. <laughs> um okay, what do y'all like for question of the week? Jill, I know you're taking notes.
1: Yeah, I was. I'm looking at them and I'm sort of in the camp of the Pentiment birder.
0: Pentiment burner. I mean, they they certainly are smart. I mean, the the chat, the CPU opening for the podcast is a really creative, weird choice that definitely impacted the show. Um, the pet that uh, that changed things, the Seinfeld moments I liked. The, I like the Devil May Cry. Fun facts. I like the fart question. We got it the, was a
2: good week. It was a strong good week. It's yeah. really good, yeah.
0: right?
1: Tough uh, competition.
0: Yeah, Leo Sarah, how are you feeling?
2: I liked the bird one because I finally got to get like the overuse loon sound off my chest. Right. I've been carrying that around a lot. Okay. And I finally yeah. got to like set it free. Yes. It sparked a
1: very unusual, unexpected conversation.
0: Yeah. Okay. Leo, you can live with that? Absolutely. Easily. All right. Keegan Day, congratulations. You just won Untitled the Goose game and then there's no switch from Bit. Congratulations. Oh my gosh. And that's really <laughs> fitting. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll now wow. know what a honk sounds like. Please enjoy. But now we need
1: to see
2: if the person who's cat, does the cat, like, untitled Goose Game? The there is a full circle. A
0: That's right. Are there fart jokes in the Goose Game? Okay, here we go. Get a load of this, everybody. Do you think this podcast would finally take off if we just replaced Get a Load of This jingle with uh, Devil Trigger from Devil May Cry 5? Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. Uh... Hey, Leo, you got one? You want to kick this sucker off? Yeah, I was getting one today. I don't know why I thought this one is good enough, but get a load of this. Uh, Have you seen the love actually deleted scene where the kid who's running through the airport (laughs) to meet his crush? A classic climax of the film. He's doing like front flips (laughs) and flipping (laughs) over security on the way there. And they cut it? They cut it all out. But it's on YouTube and it's got an intro by the director or someone who's like, we kind of wanted to do this, but it didn't seem like the vibe. And it's a hilarious (laughs) scene. The kid is just cartwheeling for no reason through these. No, 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 there's
1: a reason. Because in the original idea of the movie, the kid was going to be really involved with gymnastics. It was going to be a huge part of his story arc. And they cut that, which is why they cut that last scene. But it's really uh, great to watch.
0: All right. Links below for all this fun stuff. Uh, hey, get a lot of this, everybody. Um, I forget if it was on this podcast or maybe it was on I was on Giant Bomb's uh, Game S Mornings. Maybe I was talking about it there. But we're talking about um, the Last of Us and how you know influential uh, No Country for Old Men was. And then I brought up like, oh, like I presume Joel is named after Joel Joel Cohen, the films director. Um, and then lo and behold, a couple days after that, uh, Kurt who worked uh, Kurt over at Naughty Dog, Kurt Marginou, um who worked on Last of Us, he just tweeted out. The main character's name was going to be Ethan for The Last of Us, but it turns out it was too close to Nathan, like Nathan Drake. So we changed it to Joel because that's the other Coen brother. So it turns out he confirmed it, that it was actually uh, one of the Coen brothers. Uh, yeah, Jill, you got one?
1: Yeah, uh, it's not a huge one, but very excitingly, very recently uh, was announced a little gator game. Uh, the little gator character now has a plush on Fan Gamer, or is Ooh. coming soon. I'm very excited about
2: it. That's a
0: good thing to hug. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, you got something?
2: Yeah, I just saw this while I was scrolling today. But at the Lake Superior Ice Festival, I learned that there's something called an ice carousel. And what they did is they went out onto Lake Superior and they cut a big circle in the ice. And you literally just sit on like Adirondack chairs on the ice circle. Yeah. And somebody like pushes... And it spins oh. the circle of ice. like And the circle of ice is like, you know, it's all iced over. So there's right. just one area is cut out. And you sit there and someone like spins the entire thing. And isn't that just the most Midwest thing you've ever heard? I
0: love that. How have I lived in this state my entire damn life and I've never seen that? We
2: could literally go up to Duluth, cross the border, and we could ride the ice carousel.
0: Oh my God. Or we could make our own here. In the cities.
2: <laughs> Next uh, new show plus. How hard
0: could it be? You just have to make a perfect circle. I think we can do it.
2: And then you have to have someone, like, push. You have to get, like, a like a stationary yeah. object outside the carousel. Yeah, that's right. And then I'm... you have to walk, so it's man-powered.
0: Yeah, that's Jeff's job. He's a good ice pusher. He can do it. Uh, let's see. From the community, get a load of this. In the Discord channel, uh, Smack shared this link to a tweet from Mike Bithel, uh, who's making Tron Identity, which also had a trailer during Nintendo Direct. But he just said, hey, everybody, fill the replies to this tweet with awesome games from trans creators. And so there's a link below if you want to see this tweet. But everybody just spammed it uh, with a ton of great games developed by trans creators like uh, Laura McGee's If Found, Jessica Max, Sound Shapes and Everyday Shooter, Sound Shapes. God, I love that game so much. Maddie Thorson's Tower and Celeste, uh, Lena Rain, the composer for Celeste and Chicory. And then she's also composing something that was revealed during the... I tend to direct today. I forget what it was. It was
2: it was the mm, the the colour where you had like you could see the future and you could change your future path.
0: Oh, purpose. yes, the the yeah, yeah. Danganronpa thing. Visual novel one. Um I'll find it. Master Detective Archives. Wait, no. I don't think it was that one. No. I think not it's just the, the rain. Not of. It was from not NOT. It was, it was har- yes, Harmony. Yes, harmony. there's two that are about mm-hmm. the past in a weird way. But yeah, Harmony, The Fall of Reverie from Don't Nod. Yeah, and arrange the Composer for that. Uh, so you can lump that in there as well. But then also Unsighted, that uh, Metroidvania that and really loved. It's from two trans-Brazilians, apparently. Um, Bloodborne, PSX, that dmake that everybody talked about. Lilith Walther made that. Uh, and then going back, God, this is a deep cut. Mule from 1983 one of the wildest games ever made uh danielle bunton Berry made that so it's fun to go through that thread and find out like damn going back to 1983 that's incredible um all right that's it for this episode of the minmax show thank you everybody for being here jill thank you for being here and talking with the indian former and also having a lot of thoughts on nintendo stuff and showing off your (laughs) cute cat (laughs) very sweet um jill uh throw a plug out there where should people go
1: you want to see a lot of stuff that's currently going on with Steam Next Fest, and you want some uh, recommendations? Hit up the Uh Type it in; it's the first thing that pops up. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at uh, Finrun, That's F-I-N-R-U-I-N. Yeah, um, and I'm also on Hive. If anybody's on Hive,
0: it, are Same people list. talking on Hive? What's going on, on over there these days? It
1: doesn't. It seems like it dramatically dropped, but I'm still okay. throwing things on there. So you know, if that's where you are, come find me.
0: All right, that's great. Uh, let's see for Min Max stuff. Uh, Sarah and I streamed yesterday something that's going to be going up on Friday on YouTube for the YouTube version. We didn't want the Nintendo Direct to to kick it out of everybody's feed right away, but Sarah and I played through Magic School Bus explores the human body. Um, an mm-hmm. educational PC game from 1994, um, and Sarah came over to the Max Studio, and we just talked about the human body for hours and learned from Miss Frizzle. It was it was a fun mm-hmm. stream. I had a good time doing that with you, Sarah. Thank you for coming over for that. And then Sarah says, yeah.
2: "I said yes."
0: And that's how you promote content, baby. Uh, Also. (laughs) Confirm that it happened. (laughs) Trivia Tower, everybody. I know we've been cagey, but here's what's happening. The next episode of Trivia Tower is happening next week on a Thursday. Thursday, February 16th at 6 p.m. Central is the next episode of Trivia Tower. Um, If you've been following Trivia Tower recently, First of all, you know that if you support us on Patreon, even at that $2 tier, you, number one, help support independent games and media. uh, And number two, you get to compete uh, in trivia for prizes. And uh, we've been doing a bunch of versus matches where we go up against other communities. Like, we destroyed uh, Giant Bomb, we destroyed Kind of Funny, Easy Allies kicked our ass. But, uh, you know, taking in other communities and stuff. And so we are um, going up against another community uh, for this episode happening on Thursday. And this is, I'm very excited about this. It is MinMax versus Blank Check, uh, my favorite podcast. We are inviting their community to come into our Discord and compete in trivia. And here's the kicker. Movie trivia, everybody. For the first time ever, Trivia Tower is shaking it up. No game trivia. This is going to be film trivia, and we need to conquer the Blank Check community who are ridiculous experts at all film trivia. So we need your numbers. So jump in. If you've never competed in Trivia Tower before, this is a good opportunity. If you know a thing or two about movies, you can jump in and win a ton of great prizes. And right now the plan is JJ, the researcher from Blank Check, who's always referenced for his beautiful dossiers on that podcast, he's going to jump in and be the co-host along with Ben Hosley, Blank Check's producer. So it should be a fun time. We've had Griffin and David on the Max Show podcast before, so now we're just rounding out everybody else from uh, Blank Check. So please look forward to the next episode of Trivia Tower. Tell a friend, jump in, and compete in film trivia this Thursday. It's going to be cool. That is the 16th. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. And thanks to everybody at the game champion tier. I'm talking about people like Max Smith, who's the champion of Mad Dash. Patrick Polk declared themselves the champion of Hi-Fi Rush, which in the next game championship roundup, the poll on Patreon, that could take it. Logan Krause is the champion of Knights of the Republic 2, the Sith Lords. Don't forget it. Rabid Lime is the champion of Cookie Clicker great pick everybody great pick you can choose any yeah. game under the sun lock it in you're the champion it's in every description for every mid video and podcast jill groat thank you again for being here sarah thank you for being here leo thank you for being here it's a long episode but hopefully you enjoyed it if you did tell a friend leave a review jump in compete in trivia tower help support us directly we appreciate it all right thanks so much everybody we'll see you next time goodbye i mean be good have fun let's go